0: Alright, I hear our well I see our equalizer working and there's a little bit of a delay, so say hello everybody, and then we ask if they can hear me, and then you can say hello children, and we can see if they can hear you. Oh
1: I'm this down too
0: loud, Oh they hear us. The people hear Perfect. us so what does the video title say guys because I changed it three times because Chris got all of his flights cancelled and he is currently in airport hell right now I feel bad for him and uh, I looked on my Facebook messenger real quick and I saw Mike Page and you were online (laughs) and I was like Mike what are you doing and he didn't get back to me and I'm like Daria what are you doing and you're like I'm like, can you do a radio show in 20 minutes? And you're like, yeah. <laughs> I was blown away. Because Mike's like, I'm in the middle of three things. I can't do anything.
1: Yeah, it doesn't happen that often. But today you just caught me on a good day. So I'm glad it all worked out. Because most days, like, I have no free time. I usually catch the last hour of the show because I usually, by the time I dino and get home at the end of the day, it's nine o'clock my time and it's midnight or later. No time,
0: right? So Yeah. Uh well, everybody can hear you, so we'll go over the uh well thanks for filling in last minute and thanks for coming on regardless. And no then uh, we'll introduce
1: you. Do you say is it Dario? Dario or Dario. It's all how you say Super Mario Brothers or Super Mario Brothers.
0: Oh, okay. So it's not, neither way neither
1: way's wrong. No no neither way is wrong, but I don't Tomato I care. tomato. Yeah, I
0: answered pretty much. <laughs> and then you own uh, infamous automotive or infamous spacecraft?
1: Yeah, same thing. Same thing. <laughs> Depends
0: on the day. But. And you are in uh, America's hat somewhere.
1: Canada. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We call it Midwest, but I think in the U.S. we're so far west that we would just be west. Okay. So,
0: what are you above?
1: Ah, uh, Montana.
0: So yeah, that's pretty it's far. Calgary,
1: Calgary, Alberta. So, like, a big place near us is Banff, Alberta, where it's in the Rocky Mountains. It's a really big first place. Uh, nothing really <laughs> 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 A whole lot of nothing for them, not the amount of people that live that live there.
0: And then, uh, well, I guess we'll start with. Uh, so, what do you? What do you do now? What's your main job and what do you do with cars? Right now, I'm
1: pretty much in the last year and a half, two years, I've been tuning more than anything. Uh, I started the shop about seven, eight years ago, uh, doing LS swaps and I used to build a lot of low budget stuff. I still do. And then I kind of just jumped into doing LS swaps for myself and then doing them for other people and then now I bought a dyno off of my buddy Tomo like two years ago because he used to do on my tuning we used to share a shop and then he kind of slowed down a bit. So I bought his dyno and now I've kind of jumped into the whole tuning LS's dyno thing and thus a, a bunch of standalone. Tuning. I'm kind of a jack-of-all-trades master of that.
0: <laughs> so building, tuning, all of yeah. the above. Racing, yeah. you drive cars too.
1: Yeah, I have a uh, Chevette twin-turbo stock bottom end LS with twin Ford Warner S369s at the time. It's gone 8-1 at 170 in the quarter and 5.0 at 140 in the week. It's about 2,700 pounds. it has got to be
0: scary. Short-ass wheelbase. It,
1: it is. It is. <laughs> it is. And then I have a all-wheel drive Civic with a K24 in it. Just me and my son have been putting that. I have a 14-year-old son that's getting into cars, and we've been putting that together the last couple of year and a half. Things have got slowed down because of COVID and stuff. But that, and then I have a, a Austin Mini uh, burnout car that runs on methanol. It's got an LS in it, a 4.8 LS. It's been converted to real drive. drive. Uh, we took it to LS Fest two years ago. And it was pretty much just something to go out and have fun and do burnouts and kind mean, of It looks know. super cool too. Yeah, it looks cool. It looks cool and it does big burnouts and it's loud and that's kinda of all it was ever designed for. It's not meant to handle, it's not meant to it's meant to kill tires as fast as humanly possible.
0: Oh yeah, people were saying they could hear like a fan. I can, I can hear
1: it too. I don't know if there is anything. Okay, that's maybe the fan on my computer. Oh, oh, so maybe I should switch back to my other headphones. Give me ten seconds here.
0: Okay. Just like the laptop or something is that loud, guys? I'm surprised he could come on last minute. He said, actually. This is like the one day in the last thirty days he doesn't have anything on the dyno tonight. So lucky us. Maybe that'll be
1: better.
0: It might be you might have to change your microphone source and like the if you click the dotted thing, the three dots and it says more options, you go to settings, you should be able to choose. The microphone as, like, the headset instead of maybe the laptop.
1: Maybe, yeah. Uh, Here we go.
0: Oh, now we can't hear you. <laughs> We're working on it. <laughs>
1: guessing i'm guessing the internal one on these these headphones don't work hmm. uh, let me just give me one second again here okay. <laughs> this is what happens when you throw it together and no problem
0: we'll see if we can get it quieter i know what you mean guys it's like sounds like a vacuum cleaner it'd right. be cool to just hear him normally hot water burn baby <laughs> Dude, is that a saturday Night live skit i think that is <laughs> That's an old one What did you say the other one was Mike I actually knew what it was I I watched Saturday Night Live when I was like Six so I know all the episodes almost at these for my kid. Nice. Now you'll have to change the mic again. Yeah, and probably to your headset. The headset might swap automatically, but can't hear you now. Is there a mute on the headset? I heard something. Not yet. You could try disconnecting and reconnecting, too. (laughs) Nothing yet. No, sorry.
1: I don't know what's going on, but the fan... The fan shut off. Okay. So Yeah. I think we got that covered. Okay, yeah. I'll just leave these on. We'll deal with it. We'll just keep going.
0: Yep. All right, well... We went over your shop and cars quick. Uh, I guess yeah. we normally ask like what, what people did before they got into cars or running a shop.
1: Uh, I'm a, In Canada, we have like an apprenticeship system for automotive. And pretty much other than doing it on the side, I've been a journeyman automotive tech. I was focused on drivability and diagnostics. So that's what I did for probably the previous since i was 16 years old i was apprentice so that's what i pretty much did i've done cars all my life the only other job i've ever had is i worked at mcdonald's when i was 15 but i've pretty much been some form of automotive the whole time uh i took a break for a few years and i did i built lowriders and mini trucks and that kind of fabrication for a few years i owned a different shop when i was in my early 20s but I always got drawn back to the performance side of the business because it just seems like you get the most repeat customers with race cars because people get hooked. They want to go faster. And whereas like you build hot rods or you build low riders or custom vehicles. And once it's done, it's done. You never really see other than minor things. You never really see those people ever again. So I kind of always jumped back to the, automotive thing whether I was working out of my house or I was working at a shop or huh.
0: and then I know uh the other
1: one is we always ask people like what their first car was <laughs> <laughs> mine was uh technically when I was 12 years old my mom bought me a 79 Ford Pinto for 50 bucks it was yellow with a vinyl roof That's and incredible. literally yeah, it was the summer between grade seven and grade eight in school, and she bought it for me, but she it didn't run because she wouldn't give me a battery because she knew I'd be joyriding it everywhere. And all I did the whole summer is just take it apart and put it back together, take it apart and put it back together, learn the ins and outs of stuff, and still remember like breaking ball joints loose and almost losing my head with coil springs and stuff like that. And But it was awesome. Like my mom just knew I had the mechanical intuition. So she kind of just guided me that way. So that was the first vehicle I actually owned. And then the first vehicle I actually drove is my, I have a 1984 Ford Ranger. Uh, it's body dropped. It's on hydraulics. It lays right on the ground. It has a 302 in it. And that was pretty much my learning thing for most of my teenage years. I drove it. Uh, it ate the ring gear on the 2-3 that it had, two three four that it had. And then somehow at 16 years old, I convinced my mom to put a 302 in it. <laughs> and so, so I said, this will be cheaper than fixing the ring gear. So I learned how to, I did my first V8 swap when I was 16 years old and I actually made it run, which is amazing because I don't think at 16 year old, much kids can do anything anymore. But
0: they can work a phone.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But
0: that's awesome, the Pinto. I'm sure yeah. uh, if you still had that,
1: Tony Reiners would pay you for it. I have, I don't have that one, but I have my orange one still that had the two three that ran nines. So so that's that's one of our projects actually for this winter. I haven't really mentioned much about it, but we're doing a K twenty four in the Pinto rear wheel drive. I bought this adapter to run a power glide. And that's what we're going to do. So
0: <laughs> that's awesome. You make the uh, all wheel drive Volkswagen truck idea look dumb.
1: That's
0: super cool. <clears throat> we already got a turbo for it. I got it today. Nice. I bought a, I figured what the hell. Uh, I looked up turbo kits and it was like 330 bucks for a turbo manifold Wastegate and hardware, and I was like, whatever, like, yeah. we're only going to build one exhaust for this thing. So, if all that stuff breaks, yeah. wh- whatever, just
1: yeah, the manifolds are ridiculous. Those logs are
0: like 60
1: bucks on eBay. Was, this is actually I... a stainless
0: tubular. Oh, is it crazy? Ooh, oh, wow,
1: because
0: <laughs> <laughs> the logs don't come with the kit. This is the whole kit. I was like, what, yeah, why not? And then yeah. the accident this element got into the intake manifold was cracked, so I got a hundred dollar race intake also yeah
1: it's k stuff is so cheap it's ridiculous like like... i uh my pinto had like all kinds of one-off stuff and then i got into this it was like if it broke you weren't getting another one and now you go on ebay and it's just flooded with all the k swaps knockoff of a knockoff of knockoff and it's like a hundred dollars for a skunk tube knockoff manifold i just actually bought one for this pinto project so i can cut it up because i just it's way easier to weld on new Chinese aluminum than it is to weld on old greasy Honda stuff. So,
0: Yeah. I was like, I was like, well, you know, we're definitely turboing it. There's not yeah. much room for an intercooler, but because the bumpers like the, that yeah. it's not even a subframe or anything like the Volkswagen stuff is just cavernous stamp steel. Yeah. So I've been, yeah. I mean, there was room for the motor anyway, but I started cutting a lot just so there's more room. And also it is a Coke can. So I was going to plate where the engine mounts are going and plate more of the frame because you can like, you could put a pry bar in and just pry the front frame away. Oh yeah. So
1: if it still has front frame rails, you're doing pretty good on <laughs> yeah. those
0: pockets uh, near the inside fenders and doors are rotted, but one of our yeah. friends is going to once I get the engine mounted and everything half decent, I'm going to pull it back out and he's going to paint uh and fix all the rust cuz I don't want to do it. And he's better yeah. at it. It's his oh. job to fix rust and paint, so <laughs>
1: I'm sure you get a lot of that out there.
0: Yeah, northeast, salt. <laughs> yeah. It is like the salt capital of the world out here. Yeah. Oh. That's why RLS engines don't cost anything. The trucks <laughs> die in 5 years. They're dead. Yeah. And then yeah. if they don't if they don't die, the brake lines rot, and then people crash them into something. So the engine
1: and everything's fine. Yeah, I grew up on the coast in BC, so I like they, out there we have the similar issues where people put back their boats into the ocean and then back the half of their truck in it at the same time. So you get a lot of lot of that stuff. I dealt with a lot of rust, but where I'm at now we have a lot of LS stuff because it's all oil and gas, right? So all these trucks are leased. Once they're done their lease, they go straight to the junkyard. Nobody runs them out. And most of the time you go to the junkyard and you look at this truck and you're like, why is it even here? It's a 10 year old GM and it's just there because it has no monetary value to these companies. So they just donate it to the kidney foundation and Hmm. it ends up at pick and pull. Right. So crazy. Uh, What did I ask about?
0: What did you, man? Where was I? We're so far off in some strange land. (laughs) I'll I'll grab some questions here, real quick. Um, Sure. What's the worst car that you still love?
1: (laughs) Man, there's a lot of them. (laughs) My Pinto has been a love hate relationship. Uh, I had a pretty crazy built 23 Ford turbo motor in it and it ended up running nines but it was a ten thousand dollar temperamental piece of shit like it would break constantly and it was expensive when it broke and i hated it but i loved the car so i just kept shoveling the money at it but then i finally got into the ls stuff more and more once i got my chevette finished and i realized how cheap the ls stuff was and how how little maintenance there was so i ended up just I knew I wanted to keep the car because I wouldn't find another 71 Pinto, but I tossed all I sold all the, the two three stuff and I was just like, either I'm gonna put an LS in this thing one day or something else cool will come along in the meantime and then I just put it to the side. But now now it's gonna be back. Hopefully next year we'll get it out and run some eights with it.
0: Potato R thirty three is in early asking all the good questions. <laughs> You can always count on him, and he's here early. There's he always asks some ridiculous ones, which is fun, and then he also asks some good ones. What's your favorite rapid deconstruction tool? That's a good question, honestly.
1: I can use a sawzall like a laser, like <laughs> I, I I I could. I'm like an artist with a sawzall. Like wherever you have to cut something, Diablo blades in a Milwaukee sawzall, and like I can cut straight lines. I could cut signatures I could do anything like that's my favorite tool for wrecking shit It's like a like,
0: jigsaw just, for you
1: oh it's just it's just crazy like people watch me work and they think I'm nuts because like I'll be half an inch away from a gas tank cutting a another piece of metal and I won't hit the gas tank and they're like how do you do that and I'm like it's just practice a surgeon <clears throat> yeah I'm definitely a surgeon with a sazzle but that just takes years of wrecking stuff to all the times that I didn't do it right and punched a hole in something that wasn't supposed to.
0: What's the most impressive thing you've broken on a vehicle and a thing that made you wonder how you even managed to break it?
1: I, I don't know. Like I really, sometimes I really try to break stuff just because for the learning experience. And then when I do break it, like I broke the Civic really good this year. Like I did 68 dyno pulls on, uh, on a stock K24 and eventually it dropped the valve, but it destroyed literally everything. There was like, I couldn't save any. I think I saved the cams and the valve springs out of that motor. It wrecked the turbo. It wrecked, and I was just being stubborn. It was making 670 horsepower. And I was like, it's gonna make seven hundred. Yeah. So seventy dino pulls later, I was like, and then it blew up, and I was like, man, I really should have looked at the data and said, hey, we should have stopped at six fifty, and because I was trying two degrees more or two degrees less or or richer, leaner, or all the all these different things when I should have just been looking at if it would have been anybody else, I would have sent them home after ten pulls and yeah. just been like, yeah, this is all you get, but it's just the challenge. That's one of the things I love about tuning is when it's something of your own and you're learning something new, i never, I hadn't dealt with the Haltech in 10 years. And I was just kind of learning how easy uh, the VVT worked and stuff and how it reacted to what the RPM curve was and stuff like that. So I was just, I was wailing on it for no good reason, but, but when it did blow, it just wrecked everything. It just <laughs> like, there was, there was, chunks of piston in the intercooler like it just went everywhere because I didn't stab the clutch as soon as it blew up so it kind of decelled for about a good amount of time <laughs> so, <laughs> so it kind of turned everything into a really good blender
0: yeah I would I call it the red mist chasing yeah. the red mist I've done it I don't obviously when it's someone else's car same thing I, I'm like yeah. it ain't gonna do it as soon as the delta yeah. falls but uh same thing with mine uh you know, I will I'm like not six ninety nine today No, nope,
1: no nope. <laughs> no, no it's six ninety nine but you might hit seven hundred, but you were shooting for seven fifty yes, yeah. so, so so yeah, I wrecked that wrecked everything, and I just should have re- i added up to thirty eight pounds of boost on the pretty much stock motor, and I was just like, yeah, it's gonna do it or it's gonna blow up and it, when it blew up, it was good, it was like a mixture of like powdered. Aluminum and coolant and everything everywhere. I wish I would have got it on video. But oh,
0: this is, I probably know the answer to this, but this is a good one. What's your proudest time slip and the
1: story behind it? Uh, probably the proudest. I got a few of them, but I, going going eights at one seventy and the the chevette was one of the proudest ones I've done. Going five zero. Going five zero at one forty in the eighth was big. Like I was real. I, I don't give it as much a, a appreciation as it was because I was shooting for a four ninety nine. But <laughs> but it was it was a it like it was just everything worked that day and it was like the only reason it didn't go four ninety nine is because I had to pedal once. So on a pedal it went five zero at one forty, wow. and it was just like like it was so close and everything worked and the car felt good because that car. The thing with the Chevette is, is when it's when it's good, it's really good. When it's bad, it's really bad. Like like the, it, you're either completely in control, or well, what I consider completely in control, or you're completely out of control with the car. Like you're drifting sideways at 170 miles an hour, trying to reach the chute and stuff like that and stuff. But those are that's my big big accomplishments with those cars: stock bottom end, E tuned by me, 100. percent it's, it's kind of like the the pivotal thing that I've done. And then I have a few friends' cars that I've been pretty proud of the stuff I've tuned. My buddy Ryan has a Vega with a Gen 1, I call it a Gen 1 LS, but it's a small block Chev. And it's gone eights with just a pretty simple setup on on 20 pounds of boost. And
0: I was going to say your Chevette because I saw your posts about that thing just eating your lunch for a long
1: time. <laughs> Yeah, well that that was struggle street with that car and then we finally went to Holly and then it kind of all turned around in one year. I went from like 850 at 158 to the first pass I blew the tires off and just ran it out and it went 170 170 miles an hour on the first pass and then every pass after that it was 170 miles an hour and i'm like oh well i'll take two degrees out just to see if it actually likes the 107 or it likes the timing went took two degrees out it went 168 so i'm like yep we're putting those right back where it was and i never really messed with it much more than that because it was scary as fuck at 170 so i was like (laughs) yeah i don't i don't really need to turn up the top end I just started working on my short track and I got it to go one one nine 60 foot man. on a ladder bar on a slick with no bead locks. And and then when you start doing that, like the car will do one, two, four, 60 foots all day. And then once you start leaning on them on a good track day, you can get it shorter than that. But man, like getting it to leave, that's just like a culmination of all your skills. Cause like anybody can pull a huge mile per hour in the top end but like to get a car to leave and go that fast and react and not go on the back bumper and do all those things, it's 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 like everything you need to everything you've learned and more you need to know to make it do that. So
0: Yeah, one, one that's what uh Mark just said. One nineteen in a chivalet. Though what's the wheelbase? I think a golf cart's longer than It's the like Chivette. ninety.
1: It's like ninety four or something. It's not really short. It's like the same as like a first gen RX seven, but it's it's uh, it's narrow as shit. So oh, the that's... problem is, is when you go up to the line. If you ever see a video of my car going up to the line, there is no groove. So like, if I line up two t- like the left tires with the groove, the right tires are in the oil of everybody else's oh, shit because yeah. the car is so narrow. So like, whatever side I line up on, if I put both, if I put both right tires in the groove and the left tires not, the car goes left because it steers on the grease. If I do it the other way, it steers towards the wall, usually, because I'm, I try to always go in the right lane. But but so, like, I have to either get out when there's, like, no nobody is gone yet when they first prep or something like that. Like, it, it takes a perfect storm for that thing to get down the track and not be sketchy, right? So,
0: <laughs> Chris Ortiz <laughs> says, that's a nope from me. I want my shit long like a limo. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, even like now that I have this all-wheel drive car, we've done a couple 150 mile an hour hits on the street. And it's like a walk in the park just because I'm used to this sketchy ass thing going down the track. Like I probably could drive a pro mod and it would feel like a walk in the park compared to this thing. I've, I've been skating all my life with all these sketchy short wheelbase cars that I've had, but I always see the Aussies do it. So then I, I call myself out on it. And I'm like, if they can run sixes with a 10 point and, and and a Holden little Holden Omni, which is pretty much or whatever they are with a with a short wheelbase, so I can do it too. And they usually do it with like a big ass 15 inch stock steering wheel on stocks. <laughs> so
0: yeah, they're wild. I love. Uh, I was I was just saying to uh, I just had Al on from the Skid Factory, and we were talking about RX threes, and I'm like, man, those are so cool. He's like a decent rx a $100,000
1: car right now. And I'm like, oh, that's upsetting. Yeah. Those guys down there got crazy money, but they're also a lot more dedicated than most people, right? You'd have to be when you have such a small country, but you look at so much of the stuff that comes out of their own country. Like they make their own ECUs, they make their own dynos, they make their own... Blowers, they make like they make so much stuff because it's just such a shit show to get anything. Yeah, they're the in the US. middle of nowhere, so yeah, it's... like like they they like all the Speedmaster Pro Comp Electronics. That's like their number one place that they send stuff to because they just circumvent the U.S. They just go straight from China to, to Australia. So one day I'll go there. <laughs> I w- I wanna, said, I'm waiting
0: for teleporters because that kind of flight is. I'm going to go and see. Yeah, it's like
1: 19 hours from Vancouver. It's like, I don't know if I could handle it, but Nope. A nope. couple of guys after Larry Chen posted my mini video, they're like, we'll make you an honorary Australian. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to go for something like that, like Summer Nats or something, because I couldn't just go there and walk around. It'd have to be for some sort of event that I could experience, right? So.
0: Oh, someone asked, this is a good one. I remember you probably, I think you still have it. They're asking, uh, can you elaborate on your turbo gas tow rig? Your dually has a turbo. Yeah,
1: I I ended up actually selling that to a guy this year just because I wanted to move on to other projects. But it was, uh, I was bagged. It was uh, a 2007 Chef 2500. It had a LY6 in it. Uh, with like the factory 50 pound injectors it had a 7875. i built turbo kit kits for the 99 to 13 chef trucks uh and so it had that and then it was i converted it from a single wheel to a dually and then i did a bunch of other stuff to it but it was we did like a tow tune it had a the factory 6l80 or 6l90 or whatever in it and I used it to tow all the time and it was awesome. Like it got better gas mileage than it did when it was stock and it could pull anything. It was a like good, good compromise for, for a diesel. I figured and it was cool and it had semi wheels on it and stuff. So that part was cool. And I just liked it. And then it, I, my shop now is on a gravel road and I didn't want to drive it every day on the gravel road. So I was mm-hmm. like, oh, it was going to, it had no inner wheel tubs in the back. Cause it was low. I just got lazy and never finished it. And then, and then I always, I get enticed by other projects. So it's like, Oh, I'm sitting on this vehicle that I barely ever drive, but I could have the money that wouldn't come out of my pocket technically to go build something else. And so that's kind of what I do. And I just like pretty much just flush it down the toilet to the next project. And, and uh, do that. So I like to do the same. Yeah, yeah. It's just like I I usually build it, make my point. It's cool. It's kind of rough around the edges, like me. And then I move on to the next one. Like I, I'm a solid eighty percent person. I never get a hundred percent and finish it all nice because then I'd have to be nice to it and shit. And I'm just like, yeah, it's it's cool enough to eighty percent. It's eighty percent of the way, and it's cool enough for eighty percent of the population that doesn't know shit about cars and stuff, so I, I, never really, I never really go all the way. Even my all-wheel drive car is a total piece of shit, but it looks cool when you're rolling down the road and it's fast. And and I've always kind of been that way. I've never been a big paint guy and stuff. Like, it's cool to own that kind of stuff, but I'm not the person doing it.
0: Rusty Toon says, I remember you trying to hit the wall at 170, and we were all <laughs> cringing while
1: watching. <laughs> Yeah, my wife was pretty thrilled about that too because she was built watching it. But (laughs) my 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 pinto used to be pretty sketchy too. Like our local track that shut down about ten years ago, it was it was never prepped, so like it would skate all over. And people said it looked like ice capades going down the track when I'd go down and stuff. So I've always gotten kind of used to it. So my out of control and someone else's out of control are a lot different than most people, but. I usually try to, when I'm trying new things, especially quarter mile stuff, I try to do single lane passes because I really don't want to be in front or behind of anybody when I'm doing stupid shit. So
0: That's a lot of times, uh, also to relax and foot brake the car, I let people go.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like I, when I, I do that too, but the other thing you don't want to do is run into the back yeah, of a car. Freight train yeah, of course. Yeah, like that's the thing, it's like. I either want to be way the hell in front of the person, or way the hell behind the person, because <laughs> neither neither is good if you're going to be crashing into somebody at 170 miles an hour, right? But uh, what's your preferred
0: way of adding lightness?
1: Start with something like that's yeah. that's my that's my that's biggest solid the, advice. The biggest thing uh, I've been involved with, like a lot of drag radial cars, and I've built a lot of cars. And stuff like that. And the easiest way to make something light is start with something light in the first place. Everything I I build uh, is like crazy. I start with the lightest thing I can possibly start. Like the the Chevette was two thousand pounds when it was completely stocked, and now it's about twenty three hundred with the air to water intercooler. My uh, all wheel drive car is like twenty three hundred pounds. The Pinto is twenty three hundred pounds. And I just start with something crazy light because it's always going to be cheaper to have something that's already light because you don't have to buy light shit for it mm-hmm. or uh, it's just easier on parts. Like it's easy to go fast when uh, when you have a 2,000 pound car that makes 500 horsepower and a 4,000 pound car that makes 500 horsepower. Uh, it's just so much easier on parts. Like even, even though you're going to go way faster with a 2,000, Pound car, the parts aren't going to wear out as hard because it's not having to push all the weight. Like I built, I built the propane turbo truck too, and that was forty six hundred pounds, and that was my one experience in building something heavy. And I kind of learned that I didn't really want to do that again. It was a cool, fun truck, and it I it was I learned about propane and that stuff, but it was not a good way to go fast. That was it the first was just... time
0: I saw your stuff. How long ago was
1: that? i think i'd have to look at my youtube but it's got to be seven eight years ago now so that was like a so it was a six liter lq4 It had dual vapor propane mixers on it made like 700 wheel with a it was like a magnum gt45 80 mil like that old and uh, i had one on my fairmont Yeah, yeah, that was like, like right after uh, Master Power stopped selling to the US, like Bearden used to sell the Master Powers, then all of a sudden, I think those were like one of the first Chinese turbos because they just took whatever Master Power was doing, and then turned it into these Chinese Magnum turbos. yeah, and I had the 80, it was an 8077, I think, same same as the regular GT45 exhaust, but it worked good, and it was fun, it went 1076 at 128 at 4,600 pounds, and I literally drove the balls off that truck, like, I, I beat the shit out of it every day, it made me drive like a complete asshole, and I, I'm pretty sure I was gonna, I'm pretty sure I was gonna end up in jail if I kept the truck, and... It was awesome. I never had any problems, and then I sold it to a guy, and he wouldn't. He babied it everywhere. He just couldn't drive it, and he just he he ended up hating it because I was like, "Man, this thing has like two settings: like wide open and idle." I'm like, "Don't try to half throttle this thing because it's a carburetor that I tune with a Dremel and like just so propane." yeah now propane's not going to be cheap anymore so i have now we have e85 here so there's really no reason to do propane stuff anymore but i grew up when i was an apprentice as a mechanic i worked on taxis so that's where i learned like taxis used to be on propane old crown vicks and caprices and stuff so i learned the in and outside like 16 years old of propane and then I moved to where I live now in Calgary and I go to the junkyard and it's full of like all these propane converted vehicles because they'd have all these stupid little problems and people would just scrap them. So I just go pull off all the parts and I used them to convert my truck. And That's the only time I'll ever own a carburetor. And it wasn't even a real carburetor. But
0: <laughs> Well, there's a, uh, uh, what's your favorite or least favorite transmissions?
1: Uh, Especially recently, four uh, L 65s but but uh, most favorite. I'm a huge turbo four hundred advocate because for what they can do for what little parts they they need, they're pretty amazing, right? Like we've I pulled, agree. we've we've pulled eighty doll. Like four L eighties are the same if you can control it, but like but then you got to buy the converter that that costs the money too. Yep, but like we've done one. stoop we've done stupid shit with an $80 turbo 400 and a $200 converter that like shouldn't have been done. Right. Like I got my buddy, my buddy Ryan has a a Zephyr wagon and it's literally like a $75 tranny with some random converter. And the thing is just not died. We took it apart once. It doesn't even have a good sprag in it. It doesn't have anything. It's got steel pistons. And a bunch of holes drilled in the separator plate and a bunch of other mods so that it can sh- it's still column shift so it can shift in drive and it runs low tens like it's that's awesome, yeah, yeah I have I'm, I'm, yeah I'm cheap so like the cheapest thing that holds the most power is always going to be my favorite and the least like four L sixties I had to fix one recently and I I I want nothing to do with those fucking things like yeah. it's just like like if you're good at them that's probably like like one of those guys that are into that kind of thing. Most of the guys who do really good 4L60s don't really do much of anything else, and I don't want to do that. Or they
0: don't do aftermarket, like Cameron yeah. just fixes dailies with them.
1: Yeah, well, that's fine. Like I worked in a transmission shop for a year as a, a diagnostic tech, but I didn't do the transmission stuff. And the the guy who did transmissions could smoke weed all day and build 4L60s and, in his sleep, right? Like he, just, <laughs> he was that good at it, and yep. he never never had a problem. Like the dude would pull in a half ton truck in the morning, pull the tranny, rebuild it. And he'd be going home at four o'clock. Like it was just insane. Like with the truck out the door, like just like I said, like if you're good at it, you're good at it. But
0: yeah, four hundreds, I've had the same experience with a $75 plow truck transmission and like putting bolts in it and drilling some holes and buying a converter for a hundred dollars off some old head with a small block. And I had 40% converter slip, but it never hurt the trans. And the car would go, like, mid-10s all day, one of my Fairmonts. And then all I did was burnouts all day in high gear with that car, all day, pedaling, high gear, pedaling, second, whatever, and literally 40% slip because that car, uh, it would only go so fast. And I'd spray it with, like, 100, 200 shot. It would only go so fast and then when i learn more about converters i'm like i'm like how do i have a 273 gear and why am i going through the traps at 6000 6600 yeah. you do the math it should be like 205 i'm like yeah that's i'm not doing 200 i'm trapping like 130 yeah. yeah 132 i think one time it went 139 maybe the fluid was real thick but yeah it was cold i would drive it yeah. to the track and everything and it was like the shittiest 400 we ever found and it was fine yeah
1: yeah. Oh yeah. They're just, I, I build turbo 400s. I can do 4L80s, but it's just like, I do so many different things that I try to stick with one good thing and I know they work. And I know if something happens, if it's something I did or something, I don't want to be a jack of all trades for transmissions. Like I've built C4s. I built, power. I can build power glides. I built turbo 350s when I was an apprentice and stuff like that. But like, I just stick to the turbo 400 cause I was like, I can tell you it's going to be this much if you want it this way and this much if you want it that way, and it's going to be good, right? Like, I have a couple of buddies that like tearing stuff up. I have a buddy with a C5 Corvette that has a rear-mounted Turbo 400, and he literally broke everything possible on that tranny this year and tested my patience pretty far, but but now he's going solid axle, so we're going to have to just put it up Put it in the front, in the front. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, this is a, what's a motto or saying that you live by?
1: I don't know. Just, I, I I just try Like the biggest motto I do, like I have some health conditions and stuff. I have lupus and stuff. And for the last 10 years I've been dealing with that. And I just like, honestly try to make the best of every day. Like, like, like I just go out and go hard as much as I can because they're, might be a day that I can't. So we're always like, I got three or four projects stacked at a time. So it's just like, I I live like every day, kind of like it's last, not like that I'm like reckless about it, but then I learned like, I I'm going to live forever. That's kind of my big thing. Like those, that that that's kind of my motto. So like I love learning about new things and I love being challenged and in a good way. And, and, uh that's kind of, I just try, it. I try to do something, learn something new, or I'll wake up in the middle of the night and want to know why something is that way. And I'll start Googling, like, I'm the king of Google, like, I'll take five different opinions off of Google and make my own opinion about it, and then still try it and make my own decision about it. That's the biggest thing. I'm really, I really like, like proving stuff wrong, kind of like what you do, uh, I'm always trying. Like I have no fear of breaking stuff or what people think of me if I wreck shit. Like I have wrecked three 8 Ks this year on my car, and it was all by my personal fault. I yeah, how else it do you learn? Yeah,
0: um, like then... like
1: like when we started this, like we've been like back in the turbo Mustangs days. Everybody was on like oh seven pounds of boost. You need rods and pistons on an LS and and shit like that and guys just started pushing and the next guy pushes a little farther and the next guy pushes a little farther he's like well i and that's kind of how i live i just kind of push stuff as far as i can and and see what it'll do if it can't do it then you look you learn that experience but but i think a lot of people are scared of failing these days like it's just like there's so much public shaming about if you screw up or make a mistake, and people people that have no idea what they're doing will shame you for because you tried something to find out to learn what you're doing, kind of thing, right? Yeah, so. yeah, absolutely.
0: And I I'm in like a funny spot where uh, if I had a shop or something, I I couldn't do what I do. Or I mean, after a, after a long enough time, if your place survives, you can. Because people are like, well, regardless, those cars are fast, and he's not afraid to tell you if he did something wrong. Yeah, I mean, that's how people are with me, mostly. But, uh, you know, first starting, like, uh, a bunch of people gave me flack. And then, like, once they learned that I don't care and I'm doing it for like uh, the yellow bullet topic was one of the big ones. I mean, that's gone now, but uh, everyone's like, what a jerk and how stupid. And I'm like, we're just kids and we're having fun. Because it was like... It was so long ago. I really, I was a teenager. Yeah. I'm like, we don't care. We're just being stupid. Like, I'm like, you guys ever drive a car in a field? That's what we're doing. It's like the Joker saying where he's like, if if I'm like a dog chasing a car, I wouldn't know what to do with it if I got it.
2: Yeah.
0: Same thing. Like, I wouldn't know what to do if the car survives. Uh, I would laugh if it blows up. You know, I had all the time in the world then to blow it up. But then, yeah, yeah,
1: I've I've wrecked a ton of stuff too, and that's how I learned experiences. And I remember being an apprentice, and I built like three hundred twos, and they blow up. And the running joke was like, every weekend I'd go home on Friday, and they'd be like, "Oh, what are you doing this weekend? Rebuilding your motor?" I'm like, "Yeah, probably," but yeah. I learned a lot. And and one of the the hardest, uh, the biggest uh, tuition things like that has been talked about before is. Break learning things by breaking things, right? Because it'll always make it'll always make you humble.
0: Yeah. And then my favorite part of it, since I like calling people out and talking so much shit, and I think everybody lies, is when they do, and I'm like, no, that's 100% incorrect. And they're like, well, how do you know? I'm like, well, I actually did 15 videos on why that's incorrect. If you want to watch them. Yeah. <laughs> and then they're like oh they run out of things to say i'm like yeah i did it
1: yeah luckily i my, i have a buddy uh his name's Toma from Dynomotive uh we we shared a shop for like 8 years before i had the dyno and stuff like that and i got to learn like kind of as an apprentice i've seen i've seen thousands of dyno pulls before i even like, before i even made a dyno pull myself kind of thing before i ever tuned something so i got to see From Because I used to help him out with the mechanical diagnosis. He would do all the tuning, but then when people's fuel pumps would take a shit or misfire or whatever, I kind of helped him jump in because I was working in the back on building people's LS swaps and stuff. So I got to learn a lot of both ends of why things do each way on it. And I think that like now that I've been tuning, it just gave me such a, a huge head start in the tuning work, like a huge jump, right? Because you
0: know where mechanical issue yeah. is when you're seeing it on the electronics.
1: Yeah. And you, you see, you know, stuff's weird. Like imagine jumping on a dyno and you don't know what a misfire looks like or, or something like that, or something instantly changes where you're, you do a pull and it's 700 horsepower and then the next pull instantly it's 550, which 550 isn't terrible, but it wasn't 700. So why did it do that? What did yeah. it do? what did it change and like and the, it, the craziest part about it is now that i'm tuning is how much like i've seen it so many times it, it, it's such a joke about how everybody blames everything on the tune like i yep. deal that with that constantly where 99 percent, like i literally just dealt with it yesterday on an SRTHE, where it's like a mechanical problem but everybody thinks it's the tune because that's one thing they can't control right so keyboard it out yeah yeah, like I, I had a, a SRTG yesterday. It had plus thirty percent fuel trims on one bank and negative thirty percent fuels on the other bank. And they were trying to blame it on cutting out the cats. Hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, this isn't. I'm like, I can't fix this. The guy wanted to dyno. I'm like, I'm not dinoing this. Like this is this is not how this works, right? Like like it has to be in somewhat sound condition before it goes on the dyno, or it's just going to blow up and make me look bad, right? Like, Oh, these are
0: some good ones. Potatoes throwing out, really good ones. Uh, this is. What do you do for yourself as a small gift when you're having a shit day? <laughs> go home, probably. Stop messing like, with. Go the cars. home.
1: I don't know. Like I. I... I'm pretty cheap, so I'll sometimes I'll buy something that I really wouldn't have bought normally, or I'll, something I was holding out on to get a better deal, and then I'll finally just say fuck it and I'll buy it. Right? Like, I'm always trying to find the deals because I got three or four cars deep of projects. So, like, if I can save seventy five bucks ten times, that's seven hundred fifty bucks I can spend on another turbo. For like, it's not like I'm saving it to to retire on. I'm just saving it to. Spend on other stupid shit and stuff like that. So, like, I'm, I'll am once in a while I'll just say fuck it. And with this Honda stuff, I I end up doing that a lot because I've pushed the stock stuff pretty far. So now I'm trying to just go really fucking fast with it. So now it's kind of like I've, I've splurged on a lot of things. On that thing has a lot of stuff that I could have built a really badass LS car with comparatively for what it did. Right, so. I
0: was going to say the same thing. Joe Simpson said uh, O2 sensors are plugged in backwards. I've run into it on in a lot of uh, Chevys and stuff like that, especially Corvettes because the sensors are like oh, yeah. touching each other. Yeah. So uh, they'll be even split because one's fueling more because it thinks it's lean and then the other is, uh, you know, they're crossing the trims.
1: Oh, yeah. I never gave it much thought. I literally just hooked up to it and I said, take it back to the guy you built. it. so sometimes it's just, that's the nicest thing about not actually working on cars and tuning on cars is being able to just send people home. That's like the probably one of the greatest gifts I've, I've gone from building cars and tuning them to just tuning them is when shit, when you finally had enough, it's like, it's time to go home. Like that's the thing is just like, if you don't want to deal with it, you give, you give them an idea of what, they should be looking at. Like I showed this guy, he had like a Diablo on his uh, hand thing on mm. his dash. And I just told him, I'm like, when those are within 5%, come back. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: Joe said that Joe said 95% of tuning is figuring out what's mechanically
1: wrong with someone's car. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Well, that's what Chris, well, that's her. when it goes, that's when it go. when things go wrong, that's where different tuners shine. Any like I I totally believe anybody can tune, but it's when shit hits the fan and you got something that's doing something weird, and you got to figure it out, is where like a good tuner shines, right? Like when you start seeing weird stuff or it's doing weird, like boost leaks or I've had all kinds of crazy shit happen over the last two years, and I was like, sometimes I'm just like, how would anybody else figure this out, right? Like that's how it kind of was, like when. I was a di- drivability and diagnostics. You were the end of the line. You were you were the person that had to figure it out. There was nobody to pass the buck with. So it didn't matter if it took an hour or it took ten hours. You were the final say in what something happens. And like especially when you do when you specialize in something like that, is you don't have someone to pass the buck. It, it's not like when you're in uh, if one of the regular mechanics that i worked with couldn't figure it out they they drop it on me right so i learned a lot about how every single sensor works in and out like when you know how every every sensor works and i've talked to other people who tune i'm not going to call them tuners but i've talked to other people and they don't even know how like a map sensor or a tps the basic how a zero to five volt sensor or even a relay for that matter works, right? Or how you can make it work to do different things is the biggest thing. Right? So. When
0: I tell people about the, the nitrous tune up that I do with a five wire relay for a stock ECU and I tell them that I, I just use the common on the sensor and then I swap it through a resistor that equals... Uh, you don't even have to biff the tune. You just put it at like 200 degrees or something. Yeah, and then that's like a negative seven on a two twenty five shot, and they're yeah. like, "What?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I just spit through a resistor on the return through the five pole." When the kick comes on, when the kick comes on, it swaps the five pole, and they're like, "What again?" Like they just, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, I, "You don't have to load a nitrous tune or anything. You just no, no. you just have
1: an automatic timing pole."
0: Yeah. yeah, and they're like, "What? What?" And you know, they always buy like the Lingenfelter box. I'm like, "You still have to physically turn it down." And then it introduces timing errors because it's intercepting and changing. Yeah. And I'm like, uh. The
1: simplest solution is usually the best one sometimes. Yeah.
0: I'm like, while you build the kit, just get another relay and wire this in. And it's really actually very easy. But yeah, this is, uh. Yeah, well, that's what, that's what, like, uh, I would say you and I and other people learn, uh, because you don't have anything and you're doing it the cheapest and you have a good mechanical grasp and you're like i'll use a five pole
1: yeah oh it's it's crazy like especially when you can do awesome stuff like on holly right like you can make it do a million different things and if you don't understand the concept of a double pole relay or a solid state relay for that matter you're never It's very
0: limiting capability wise
1: because like i've i've used the relay to trigger a relay to trigger a relay to do stupid weird shit like it's just
0: i had a friend's car that had he had like a really semi-complex nitrous setup yeah and i'm like same thing i'm like use a a regular relay and a five pole for when you're on the brake it won't spray when you release the brake it will spray and then when you go to if you have two kits you can use the the thing that tells it it's in second and it sprays the second kit yeah, or like a... Purely thing, mechanical, right? no box right? yeah. or anything. Yeah. Because it had a big converter in it. I'm like, you don't need a switch. Like, this thing, yeah. it doesn't yeah. need anything. The, the nitrous is going to hit. Like, it just had a, a micro switch on the throttle. Yeah. And I'm like, you just smack it. The converter is going to come up. And and then when you hit second, the second kit comes on. And I wired it for him, just like the three relays in a row. I'm like, stage one, trans brake, stage two. And he's yeah. like...
1: And then I put oh, it all like in a... back. It's
0: What's like that? back
1: in the day with the digi sets, right? I actually, kn- what is that? It's like a mechanical timed switch, so it's oh. like oh, uh... with
0: the push button with the LCD screen.
1: No, it's just like little uh, flip switches, like little DIP switches, and you just flip them, and it's like point 0. zero one of a second, one second each, each line. So oh. you just add them up. Okay. And guys used to use that. Used to be like a t- the original time based. Guys used them with like a Mac valve for time based boost control, and then they used them for nitrous timers and stuff like that. But you could do that. Uh, you can uh, do that mixed with something else, and it used to be a way of doing it. It's it's pretty outdated. No, now. yeah, that I, sounds. I got important. one in a. I got one in a drawer somewhere that I've never. Used, but <laughs> I'd I, like to I see what it looks like. I know the concept, but.
0: And then I wire I wired it for him. He had all sorts of craziness going on. So he had a standalone fuel cell. It ran on ninety-three and then it had standalone fuel cell. They would put 110 in for the spray. And then uh I wired one of those six pole fuse panels. So when you activate the nitrous kit, it would turn on the pole, like the whole panel. The panel ran the fuel pump. The panel did this, the panel nice. yeah. and then I'm like, when you have a problem, you flick this switch and it turns all six nitrous components off and he's like, "Whoa." And I'm like, "Yeah, like <laughs> I'm like, yeah. if you shut off your kit, like it's not turning off the pump, it's not turning off yeah. this, it's not turning off your relays." So, once I showed him how easy that could be just like a panel and four relays, he was like,
1: "Yeah, and then it has shit. a little bit of redundancy into it." And then it's
0: actually whatever. easier to look at and operate to just doing it nicely is actually it's easier than doing it shitty. Because he had it like wire clipped and everything everywhere. And I'm like, holy shit, this is bad. <laughs> this is a fire. This is a backfire and a fire. But nitrous,
1: guys, all the wires would have been red anyways. It's so.
0: yeah, wire nutted, one wire. <laughs> uh, This is a good one. What automotive experiment would you like to do but haven't?
1: Uh, We're going to be doing one this winter. Actually, me and you talked about it. I'm going to do some pretty crazy. I'm going to push 87 really far. Oh, I did yeah. it a little bit on my dually but I'm gonna build a specific combo for 87 and see how far I can go on 87 intercooled, semi-low compression. That's kind of one of the next ones that I wanna try. I haven't done a ton of LS stuff lately, but uh, I wanna do an updated kit for the 07 to 13 Chev trucks that I sell. Uh, my my 99, I just adopt my 99 to 06 turbo kits. For the newer trucks, but I want to build a specific kit for that. So we're gonna turbo it. It's a 4.8. Uh we're doing a four four L eighty in it. I'm gonna get a converter from Ryan Jams. Uh and then I'm gonna do uh seventy eight seventy five, probably a two and a half gen two and a half
0: like a cast or something?
1: Uh no, probably a billet because I just want maximum efficiency, right? Yeah. And we're gonna do like probably like a bigger boost, low timing good intercooler like a big oh with the
0: out. charge air yeah
1: yeah so like try to make the air as cold as possible and then just see how far i can push reliably on this for
0: people have asked about that and other people like chastise them like why would you do that and you and i jump in like i would love to but no one really builds something like that uh the, one of the cars i've done a few cars with the the billet 80 millimeter from varen with the smaller v-band inlet Oh yeah, and they make outstanding power on pump gas.
1: That's like the eighty seventy five or the eighty eighty two.
0: It's tough because it's the V band. I would say it's smaller. It's probably like the seventy five. Even if it is a larger, yeah, that would be
1: like like that. Like you, you'd like that would be perfect on a four eight because like you'd have all the efficiency of the eighty mil. But then you don't have this crazy, lazy...
0: Because you're not going to turn it... It's not like a car you're going to try to make 900 with.
1: No, no. You're all, you're going to run out of octane, right? Like, no matter how you do it, you're going to run out of octane. So my big goal is to push it as far as I can on 87. And then I'm going to put straight meth, uh, 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 methanol injection on it with straight meth and see how much farther I can get it on 87. And, uh, by, by increasing... Because... Straight math, you're increasing the octane. If you were doing water math, you're increasing the knock resistance. Yeah, but I just want to see. yeah, I want to see how far I can push it with that. And it's a newer, it's a 08 truck, so it's like 8.8 to 1. So it's already as low compression as I'd want to go because it's got two, 243s on it. And it's already got the good intake and stuff on it. So none of that shit I really have to change. We're going to put a LS9 cam in it to kill the... The dynamic end. compression. Yeah, to kill the dynamic compression. And then we're just gonna make all the power with boost and RPM pretty much.
0: That's what uh my buddy Ryan Ackerman has that he has a Colorado with the LSA on it and yeah. all the stock pulleys, and he has uh sloppy stage two and headers and everything. And I'm like, man, it's not gonna make any boost. It'll be neat to see that because I was like, we might as well tune it on eighty seven So we did 87 and then E85. I've done that on a bunch of cars because they're either going all in or they're just trying to drive it, get it home, or they can't get E. And then we do a pretty soft tune-up on gas, and then we switch it to E and go hard. And and, then a few of those cars don't pick up much at all, which must be they're they're not octane limited at all.
1: No, no, that has to be what it is. So
0: that's a good combo is the, the LY6 made... It only made like 40 extra horsepower on E, which is probably just like the thermal BTU scrub of the alcohol because it didn't want timing or anything above pump. Yeah. I said to him, I'm like, you know, you've made too good of a pump gas engine and now it won't pick up because I've had some, you know, some cars with some pretty significant compression obviously don't want to do pump very well at all. But then on low boost on E, they pick up like a hundred and fifty six rear wheel
1: on yeah, low or boost, something, or something with shitty IATS, right? Like you yeah. get something with shitty IATS, and and all of a sudden it picks up a bunch because it's just cooling up. you run it a little fat and you you cool that air charge down, and and then all of a sudden it's it's uh, it's picking up huge gains. And
0: usually the four eight cars with the flat tops, uh, they make deep a lot of people have, like, an 8-pound spring, and uh, and then, you know, they make 130 extra horsepower on E on the same 8-pounds boost. And yeah. Yeah. Oh, if you could build your first turbo LS car now with the knowledge you have, what would you do different? Everything.
1: <laughs> Probably. There's just way, way more, like... Shit like 88103s from Varen and stuff wasn't available back then, right? Like, we were just. That's why
0: Magnum and Master Power first stuff I used. Yeah,
1: like, I bought. I probably the first time we bought off Viren was probably two thousand five ish hours turbo Mustangs four hundred fifty bucks a piece, and he was like the only dude that would ship to Canada. And they so had that seventy
0: six. Like, I don't even know what the backside was. I don't sixty five
1: seventy six sixty five. Yeah, we we used a bunch of that. Was like a huge upgrade. Everybody's like, oh, you'll never spool that shit. Like it yeah. was just brutal, right? But but now I would just it would be more of everything if I were to do the propane truck again. Uh, I started doing a Colorado with one, but I kind of got sidetracked with the Chevette, and I never ended up finishing it. But I was going to do propane. I had dual mixers, I had a Holly intake, and it had injectors, and I was going to spray E85 on top of the propane. So it was going to, because propane's really hot, right? Everybody thinks it's super cool, but they use coolant to heat the, to make the expansion of the, from a liquid to a vapor. Hmm. So. It gets really, really hot while it's going into your engine. So, like when we were on propane, we would run stoic wide open, like it, because the fuel offered no cooling capability. So you would run it at fifteen O, air fuel. If you ran it at at twelve, it made no difference. It didn't pick up any power because there's no cooling in the air. But then when I added meth on top of it, it would just soak up the meth and like it would pick up huge gains. So I wanted to do that with E85 injectors is run the propane and then run E85 and let the E85 just soak up all that hot air and mix with it. And it probably would have worked out well, but I kind of gave up on that. But that was five or six years ago. That's when the Viren had the PT88 clones that were super big. And I had this Colorado and they ended up getting parted out and moved on to the They next did pretty one.
0: good. I did 740 unlocked with the 88 clone.
1: Yeah, we did one, we did a blow through car for a guy and it was, uh, like
0: 740-ish on low boost,
1: like 15 pounds on a 6 Yeah, seat. it
0: got it all in early, Yeah, remember mine. Like, it wasn't really a
1: high-boost turbo, because it just didn't work up there, but the low-boost stuff, I I really love that turbo, like, uh, my buddy Mitch that helps me out at my shop, he has one on a Fairmont wagon, and it's, it's awesome, like, he went 970s at 140 on, like, 14, 15 pounds of boost, it's ridiculous, like, just, just, uh. Such a simple combo, right? But that's the thing is there's just everything's gotten better. back then we were using micro spurts and P T eighty eights and all whatever was available. Like my propane truck had a sixty ten MSD box in it to run the ignition. And now we got Holly Holly terminators and stuff like that. So it's just an eighty eight one oh threes and bigger turbos than that and, and just we know what to push things and we know what doesn't make a difference. Like the cam stuff hasn't really gone crazy. Like the news, I use a ton of the summit stage two turbo cams. It's it's so good.
0: Yeah. Because it's just like people all the time are like, where do I get a reliable sloppy? And I'm like, there's so many clones. I don't know what to tell you. I think someone posted the other day. There is a guy on sloppy that sells actual Elgin, like he's actually trustworthy, like an actual yeah. person.
1: Well, I was I was one of the original people who bought one of the clones, hmm. un, unknown to me. And I was like, as soon as I got it, it was like a brown box with a yellow bag. And like you could cut yourself on the lobes and it just looked like shit. You could see the hardening was all shit. And I was like, I'm not using this. And I just returned it back. And then now it's just like that. I paid like $200 whatever 50 bucks were at the time. Now I just literally, while I was standing in line today, I was scrolling eBay and you can buy the, the knockoff Elgin for $88. That's yeah.
0: like People post it and I'm like, no, anything under no. 205. No. Cause sometimes there's like a sale and you can get, but yeah, I tell yeah, but like I don't trust as soon any as it of wipe,
1: As soon as it wipes a, a cam lobe and eats a lifter and breaks your block and kills your bearings and like, like I'll roll the dice on a lot of shit, but I won't roll, roll the dice on something like that, right? Like, yeah. Like, that, like, if you pull your cam out and you're missing a lobe already and you're going to run it anyways, throw one of those fucking things. There, yeah,
0: you know? exactly.
1: But, like, because, like, that's about as long as it's going to last. And it's not even going to wipe out that lobe. It'll wipe out some other lobe that, that wasn't missing half of the shit, right? Like, it's just, that's pretty much the one thing I don't super cheap out on. But, like, cams don't have to be as expensive as they are like like you see what they're going for and how mass produced like brian brian's talked about how they mass produce the summit cams and it totally makes sense of how they can sell them for so cheap when you're making a thousand cams at a time yeah
0: well i tell people when they don't know what to do i said just buy the summit because it's it's not much more and they have better drivability idle more idle vacuum soft stage shoes garbage it yeah. sounds good. It sounds pretty much the same, and then they do make a little bit more power everywhere. It's just that when the Sloppy Stage Two was two hundred twenty-five dollars, and there weren't eighty-dollar clones. Yeah, it's just like oh four fours were a really good secret, and then China. I think some people were selling Chinese ones, and they didn't even know.
1: Oh yeah, and it was We've, so I've flooded at Chinese one point. Ones
0: and we didn't even know. Yeah, because yeah. I've had cars where we can't even get over like a four hundred sixty horsepower on gas and the injector yeah. is going nuts and people yeah. are like well they're 044s and I'm like oh there are so many that just not good nope uh oh this is good what's your favorite pet peeve or uh, misconception about cars and drag racing that people
1: you know regurgitate oh there's so many but like a lot of it is is it's it's easier than it actually looks People think it's easier than it actually is when it's not like to go actually fast. It does take some skill. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes people get lucky and things go fast, but, but it does take a little bit of skill. Like now, now you go on marketplace or something and everybody's selling six liter race motors that they think that you can just drop it in with a turbo and it's going to make 800 horsepower out of the junkyard. There is still stuff you have to do to them and you have to make sure they're, somewhat legit, right? Especially now that like it's two thousand it's twenty twenty one, like we're going on twenty years of six liters right now, right? Yeah. The shit you're finding in the junkyard from two thousand two and two thousand three now is probably not good, right? Like so so it's like I get people all the time, they're like, oh I got this this four hundred thousand kilometers like kilometers here, like three hundred thousand mile engine. And it's good. We're just going to stab a cam at it. And then they come to the dyno and it has all kinds of problems because they didn't do anything supporting wise. They're like, oh, it only had a little bit of ridge on the cylinder. I'm like, LSs don't do that. Like if you have ridge on your cylinder, I'm like that thing was in a cube van for its whole life lugging up a hill. And it is four out of it, right? Like,
0: that good one here is what car or platform won't you touch with a 10
1: foot pole? I'm not not a BMW Mercedes guy. Just I, I, I can't get into them. Just being a regular tech, like I learned years ago that they were just brutal. Like it's just they've always been brutal. I, I like Volkswagen stuff. It's not too bad. I did a bunch of I used to do a lot of work on those, but but uh, I just I, I you couldn't pay me enough to touch a Audi Audi. I know is Volkswagen, but Audi or any of the higher end. Mercedes Benz, BMWs. I have like zero interest. Like unless it's LS swapped, I really, I really want to, <laughs> to do it. <laughs> uh,
0: do you have any plans on doing Miles of Mayhem or No Prep Seven next year?
1: Uh probably. I don't know about Miles of Mayhem. Depends on how far we get uh, with the Chevette. Putting it, I'm going to put a new short block in the Chevette. My LT LS hybrid short block finally, but uh, I'm going to, I race, I wanted to do a bunch of stick shift racing with the, the all wheel drive car, especially like no prep style stick shift racing. So that's kind of, we'll definitely have that thing out, and breaking stuff and, and doing that kind of thing. If I get the, if I get it, if I trust it enough, which I probably won't, I'd take it on the miles of mayhem is like a drag and drive type thing that we do locally here so it's it's a little more grueling than some of the ones cuz it's in the middle of fucking nowhere like <laughs> in Canada there's like to drive between two tracks like it's three or four tracks and one of them's an airport and stuff like that but it's like it's not like in the states where you can phone up summit and overnight parts to your next track and shit you, if you break your shit you're fucking done right so like and i'm just like I'm not a sucker for punishment for that stuff. Like I really, I I think it's awesome that we have a drag and drive style event locally, but man, like as soon as my shit broke, I'd just go home. Like I just like, I'd be like, fuck, I got to lash the valves or something stupid on my old drive car. That would normally be simple. And I just, I, I, I couldn't see myself on the side of the road pulling a tranny or anything like that. It's just, it's just, I've been doing this shit for 20 years and, the last thing I want to be doing is working on my back on the side of the highway or something like that, right? But one day, I, I actually have a Fairmont wagon that I'm going to be doing a bara in as soon as I can cross the border and go get it. Uh, that I would definitely take on Miles of Mayhem because I know for sure if it broke, I'd be going home because I ain't finding shit for a bar yeah. anywhere. <laughs> so. But I actually, I got a Holly Terminator for it and stuff. I got a bunch of stuff. Like we've, we haven't been able to go across the land crossing into the U.S. for the last 18 months because of oh, so all your stuff's piling up. Yeah, that so guys? we ship everything to the border and drive across. I'm about a two-hour drive, two-and-a-half-hour drive from Sweetgrass, Montana. So we drive across, pick up our parts, and then drive back. But as soon as COVID happened, they shut that down. So. I've had a bar on a pallet and everything to go with it. Holly got me a Terminator and a few other things and we're going to we're gonna lock out the DBT and run it that way and I bought a Turbo 400 to Barra adapters from Castle Mine Rod Shop in Australia uh, so we're going to run a Turbo 400 or a 4L80 or something behind it so that's one. I don't think it's going to happen this winter because we're so far behind with it but, but uh, that's why I'm kind of jumping on the Pinto because I have everything but that's going to be probably 2022 2023 or maybe in the summer if i have time but i got this pretty mint blue uh fairmont wagon that we're going to borrow so off with the turbo probably sent me 7, it's 75 it's going to be fun
0: someone just said uh well not just this is i'm only going through like the very top ones i don't see anything new <laughs> uh is a Huron 7875 too small for an LY6? Goal is 650. I'm concerned about back pressure on a 6 liter. I would say it depends on the exhaust you're going to run.
1: And how high you're
0: going to rev it. Yeah, if it's like 650, I don't know. That's like a medium. A 7875 is the answer to almost every thing yeah to people so yeah it's it's you're probably
1: fine if it'll you... do it but it'll be right maxed out like 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 on the exhaust side at that power level right like you'll get the weird weird layover dyno curve no matter what cam it has where it just starts tanking out up top and
0: if uh it depends on your exhaust too if you have like a hood dump you're going to be able to make a ton of power yeah
1: it'll always go it'll always go a little bit farther that way and same with like race speed size and, and stuff like that you can squeak out a little bit more. But like it it's a it's a light switch turbo on a six liter, but like they're are a riot on a four eight or five three. That's like my still my go to with all my kits that I do for all the shed trucks.
0: Uh, what converter are you thinking for your K twenty Power Glide?
1: Uh, I, I bought a I bought a Transbra- ATI Transbrake Turbo four hundred for five hundred bucks, or not turbo four hundred power glide. At a swap meet for 500 bucks, it came with some random 5,000 stall bracket racer converter. So I'm going to run that. And if it doesn't work, I'm going to spray the fuck out of it until it does. So that's what <laughs> I'm going to start with. It's like a little 8-inch 5,000 stall. Which should be good it. for a tiny motor. Yeah. Like, I, I know I've done this stuff before, right? Because my Pinto was a 2.3 with a C4. And it went like one three sixty foot and so I, I understand the concept of how small engines work and spool. One of the big things I'm keeping on the K is the, the, the VTEC so that I can make big torque on the low-lobe and then get it up on the converter and then switch over to the high-lobe once it starts making boost and you have the ability to swap that on a K. Whereas like on my 2.3 that I had, it had some big donkey, big cam in it to make the power. And you couldn't. It made 33 horsepower at 3500 rpm. You couldn't get it to school without nitrous on on a, even a tiny little 6000 stall converter. So.
0: Oh, you did updates on this, but uh, motorheads ask him what happened to your extreme cheapskates car.
1: Uh the Malibu. Yeah. Uh, the Malibu. I sold it the next day because uh, they pretty much. Lost their shit on me after I went 10-0 with no safety equipment. Cool. Equipment, so it ended up going. Uh, it's on my YouTube channel, but I ended up going 10-0 at 135, 10 2 at 135 on the dot with uh, uh for 2,600 dollars, I think it was. And then literally, I sold it the next day. Like I had, I had guys that wanted it, and then I literally went to, like, I went from the track to a swap meet on my way home and put a for sale sign in the window and sold it the next day. And now it's a, it's a street raced car now because it really had no no history. Nobody's seen it at the track. So the guy who bought it ended up selling it to another guy and that guy street raced the shit out of it until he kicked the rods out of it. And, and I haven't really heard much about it, but it's still around. It was a fun car, but it would have been way more successful if I didn't use a 3,700 pound to start. With it. But,
0: yeah. Uh, this is funny. Big stuff three or Anderson PMS on a small block Ford, nineteen ninety five.
1: Apparently, you can tune them with Tuner Studio. Huh?
0: I've got an 88.103 for my eighty seven octane limit pusher.
1: That'd be cool. I don't think you'll even get to it anywhere. The limit of the turbo. Like, He's some beat. negative timing, like a DSM. Yeah.
0: BK says I wanted to bring you my 575 to one LS to the dyno. I could never get in touch with you. I ended up ordering my own dyno.
1: I'm a hard guy to get over. Uh, Years ago, we had a local guy that had a neon that had a six and a half to one compression neon that made 600 horsepower. It was a it was an interesting concept, but he was one of the original original low compression pump gas guys that. Had crazy ideas but made them work. It was on a SDS. I don't know if you've ever seen or even seen one of those. It was like pretty much a fucking Atari.
0: But what, they made that, you
1: said an SDS. Yeah, SDS EFI. They yeah. use them on air. They use them on airplanes. They're, they're certified for aircraft, so that's the only thing that keeps them going. But <coughs> like, like literally, you'd rather you probably want to slit your wrists before you. Probably
0: like a Fitec. Oh, worse than a
1: Fitech. Oh, like that's... this thing is like up down enter, like it's a keypad. Up down enter bar graphs one line at a time. And it's a boostable ECU. It's pretty crazy. It's from it's from like the nineties, but they still sell them because they're like FAA approved for uh, experimental aircraft. But But that's all we had back then. Even my Pinto had a Holly Commander on it, which was Outdated when I put it on on two thousand two thousand seven, but at least it was a standalone
0: alone Hit
1: so.
0: potatoes throwing out all sorts of funny questions. I'm gonna try to look for one. That's not one of his
1: I can't yo-yo Favorite move <laughs> I don't cook that's la- I can- I'm- I tell my wife all the time. I'm good at everything, but I can't cook. Now I have children, so I don't have to. Oh, one of them
0: people always ask, and I forget to ask people. What are some of your favorite YouTube channels? If you watch a bunch
1: of YouTube, I'm on a big all-wheel drive Honda kick lately, so I watch a lot. I watch a lot of the all-wheel drive Honda stuff. Uh, the usual, like PFI, Speed, and Boosted Boys. They're always kind of doing random shit and then I watch uh, oh man are there other ones that I watch smaller the, but there's like a one channel called the Honda resource the guy's name's Philip he does stuff out of his house and hmm. I'm always looking for new ideas kind of thing the biggest thing like I either I either watch YouTube for just absolutely dumb entertainment or I watch it to actually like learn something I didn't know before so I always watch a lot of these smaller channels that I don't even probably subscribe to them, but I'll watch a couple episodes of everything to see if they know something more than I do and see if I can do something cool. Or when I'm trying to make a decision on something I'm going to do, like I've been doing a bunch of research on intercoolers right now because I already knew most of it, but I just kind of ignored it about efficiency and stuff like that. So I've been watching a lot of intercooler, what works better or design and stuff like that. And then I, all the time, like if I'm going to run something, say I'll go buy a Borg S372 Turbo, I'll go I'll go watch a bunch of videos and see what guys are making power, see how much bullshit the dinos they are are and stuff, because you always get that part of it too. My is kind of a heartbreaker, so you'll go and watch, and you're like, how is this guy making 200 horsepower on the same combo on the same boost? And, yeah. Right, but...
0: Speaking of intercoolers, Potato asked earlier, with a pressure drop across an intercooler and losses from 90 degree bends, why don't more cars do an air to water and run a simpler run to the intake? Mostly
1: weight. And it's a pain in the ass. Yeah. I have an air to water I have air to water on the Chevette, but it's made out of like eighty dollar shitty course, so it doesn't <laughs> work as good as it's supposed to, but there's absolutely no room on that car. So it, it gets it down to like on a on a thirty pounds of boost. It'll be a hundred forty degrees on a good day, but it's not it's not nothing to write home about. But I but, would say
0: fitting a decent air to water is way harder than fitting an air to air, and the bends are almost going to be identical because I think fitting a giant air to water you have to bend quite a bit around also.
1: Yeah, and, like, unless you plan from the build in the beginning, like, my inner my air-to-water is mounted between my engine and my rad on the Chevette, but the, if I wanted it, say, under the dash or in the passenger seat or something like that, there's no way in hell because I didn't build the car to have it that way. Originally, I tried E85 non intercooled and I never really got anywhere with it because we were having other issues with the the mega squirt and stuff like that back in the like, a few years ago so like i gave up on that just so we wouldn't hurt on hurt the motor and i just went straight to air to water because there was no room for there it is very but i don't really i'll put any as many bends into an intercooler system as it needs i don't really consider that i know velocity and stuff like that but horsepower wise it doesn't make as much of a difference as going between a shitty intercooler and a good
0: intercooler. I noticed the same thing. Like I did that test with my Colorado where all we had was straights and we yeah. built that intake pipe. It was like, it looked like it was just jammed in a car rack a bunch of times. It was so crooked. And then I had Joey like spend a whole bunch of time making like the nicest 30 degree sweeps. Yeah. And we put it, we made a dyno hit on low and high boost and then immediately swapped it and went high and low. And it was zero horsepower. Yeah, no difference at all.
1: Yeah, I don't think under people understand that air bends. Like that's that's the biggest thing is air. Air will get to where it needs to go. Like you look at all the manifolds, like even like like the turbo manifolds and shit you built back in the day, and we built a couple recently. Disgusting,
0: and I did and that for air, a purpose.
1: Also, the air will always like the air will always get to where it's going. Yeah. the worst back pressure you get. If, say, it's not optimal, your wastegate's probably going to work better because the more back pressure in your exhaust, the more it's going to want to go out the, the, the wrong direction, right? But but we built, like, we just built my buddy Mitch that helps me out. We just built an LTD for his wife. And literally, the turbo manifold on the hot side is a T. Like, it comes out yeah. of one side and T's into the, the other runner crossing over. And I'm like, I, I've explained to people, I'm like, well... One's running, one's running straight into here. Other one's coming this way. It's going to bend the other air to get it going in the correct direction. Like, like it's like you look at hydraulic systems. They don't give a shit. They'll they'll put like a ninety, a hard ninety, and another hard ninety, and that's fucking hydraulic fluid, not air, right?
0: Like sixteen hundred pounds, thirty two hundred pounds.
1: Yeah, and it'll it'll get like it said. It'll get to where it needs to go.
0: No, that's why I built a lot of those ugly hot sides, because I have a bunch of 10- and 9-second cars I built with spare stuff, and I would do the reverse T also. Yeah. I would flow the hot sides like this and then come off of, like, a thing for my up pipe, yeah. and everyone's like, that's I not even going to go anywhere. I'm like, what makes 564 wheel? It's not that yeah.
1: bad. I learned a long time ago a lot of that stuff, especially, like, turbo kits and shit like that. There is some exceptions. It seems like the K-series stuff is a little more susceptible to back pressure because you don't have control of the exhaust cam. But but a lot of it is, like, your turbo kit is just a, 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 a pipe from point A to point B. Like, as, as long as you can get the shit from the head to the turbo, it's probably going to fucking work unless you really screw it up, right? Like, yeah. it, like one way or another, it might not be optimized. Like of course. You can... But like I've had it where we used to mess with it back in the day, where we we did the same similar shit, where we we changed up a turbo kit and like the flange was restricted, so we ported out the flange and it made no difference. So I I stopped wasting my time on that kind of shit. You just kind of get it to go where it needs to go. Yeah, when people talk about if you about... can plan for it, is great. But if you're just trying to have fun, don't worry about it. Don't like touch just, it. Just just don't worry about. It. Just get your shit to the turbo. And somehow jam a wastegate in a couple of places if you need to. If you put one on and it's not enough, add another one. Go from there.
0: Yeah, like, uh, I mean, that's everything I ran into is I, I obviously agree. There's like a 10% you can eke out of a lot of stuff. But most people yeah. are going to pop a motor on low horsepower way before you need to port match a plastic intake to an aluminum head.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. nothing that one or two pounds of boost can't fix
0: that's the that's the funniest thing about especially an ls doesn't seem to care about so much it doesn't care it just shrugs and then yeah like you just put throw more at it whatever Well, people
1: get hung up on a boost number right i'm like who cares if your car makes 600 on 14 or if it makes 600 on 17 pounds of boost i'm like are people gonna look down on you because your shit took two more pounds of boost to make 600 horsepower it was like probably it.
0: two thousand dollars in cylinder heads why it makes more power on less yeah. boost
1: yeah like i got uh, trick flows on the chevette but i did it for like head gasket ceiling Definitely i
0: did the same fun. on mine i did yeah. i was going to do a test between a stock head and an aftermarket for fun and then the more i thought about it i'm like all i'm going to do is lift these stock ones so i got uh my engine builder had some badass cnc'd uh, they have an LS3 valve set up, but then they have a cathedral port intake. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah, I was like, these weigh twice what a stock cylinder head does. And yeah. then he showed me when you look in the water passage on the very end. Yeah, you like see how thick it A is. stock one has like a quarter inch probably, yeah. and this one has like three quarter inch to a full inch of deck. And that's on yeah. the skinny side by the water jacket. He was like, yeah, it can't, it will not warp as much. And that's what I learned too, because people were like talking about cylinder heads. And I'm like, just throw 10 more pounds at it. And then yeah. they, uh, someone, I think it was Jarrett or somebody intelligent that I trusted was like, uh, the aftermarket heads have like three times the deck thickness and it stops them from lifting. And I'm like,
2: oh. Yeah.
0: That's what no one tells you because they probably don't know. They just want to buy fancy cylinder heads.
1: Yeah, for sure People I bought on... the cheapest yeah like the trick clothes were like the cheapest heads you could buy and so I was like yeah I'll buy those and they fit on a stock 453 so I was like yeah let's do this and I bought those and I've been happy with it didn't really seem to make any difference in power but it didn't
0: do you have interest in different forms of engines like turbine or jet for example
1: not not a ton not not kind of I like different platforms. Like I'm not just like that's why one of the reasons why I kind of got back into a, a four cylinder game because that's what I kind of started out with when I got into turbo stuff. Is I just like the the underdog of having like a small engine that makes ridiculous power that's crazy efficient and, and stuff like that. But never really got into any of the other other types of things like i try to keep all my eggs in a basket or i do it kind of the it is
0: cool. yeah i jumped straight into like turbo ls stuff at some point well obviously the most i ever did and then i always wanted to build like a turbo civic yeah because i had a bunch of friends that had them and they were wild for what they were and they totally changed your mind on what you would perceive a yeah. crappy old honda with and uh, some were crap, and then some. I was like, "This is genuinely like extremely fast." Yeah, I don't... around
1: here. Around here, we had like before drifting got really big. It was all the turbo Honda stuff, and I never really got into it. I it wasn't really a, like I was into four cylinder stuff, but I thought probably drive was kind of dumb, just because all those guys ever did was really spin, right? So none of the shit ever hooked, and there was a few fast guys in step two, and it kind of just petered out around here and all those guys turned into drift kits and they were just blowing up SR20s and shit like that after that. and They never, they, instead of blowing up their single cam D16s on eBay turbo kits and not being able to afford anything, they all just turned into drift kits with plywood body kits and stuff like that.
0: But that's, yeah, I was always like, I want to build a turbo Honda with a light switch power band just because I want to. That's what I yeah. always wanted to do. Like, I tell people if I built a Supra, I wouldn't get any of those awesomely efficient, uh, like Real Street talks about, some of those, like, wide power band, high number, awesome, weird, scaled, like, uh, 7582 Precisions and stuff that come out now. I'm like, I want just an upside-down hockey stick that's undrivable. That's what I want. I want it yeah. to be like blah, and then like a wheel spin, just endless, like yeah. can't control that's, it.
1: That's that's kind of how our my, mine and my son's all-wheel drive car is. It just comes on at about seventy-five hundred RPM, and then it's, it's
0: like getting rear-ended of, by a truck. Yeah,
1: yeah, and you're just. But the thing with the all-wheel drive is, is just it doesn't blow the tire off. It's it just actually hooks on, it flying, like you are just. It's, the thing is just rolling, and we're just my kid. My kid's yelling at me. He's like, "We're doing 150 miles an hour." <laughs> I'm like, "Shit!" I'm like your mom's gonna kill me.
0: But I did that. You posted about that the other day. That was hilarious when I I read that. Um, that I did a single cam because again, everyone had B series, so I'm like, I'm gonna build yeah. a single cam, and I'm gonna be a retard. And and it ended up making 324 to the tire. And, uh, unbeknownst to me, the D series stuff had longer transmissions. The B series were shorter to try to be in their power band. So it was actually extremely functional 300 wheel. Like I could, uh, I could pedal it really well. And like, I had no secrets. It just ran, uh, I did Vitara pistons and FJR rods. So it had like a seven and a half to one compression. So I ran 30 pounds on pump and it was like, It had an eBay turbo kit, and the turbo did not have good transient. It was like nothing, (laughs) nothing, nothing, and then completely retarded. And then since it had, like, the turbo was so inefficient and it had stock cams and everything, it quit. Like, it would light and quit immediately, and I just had the rev limiter set really high to try to fall before that it would uh, not make boost, you know? Try to stay above... Yeah, so I'd shift it at like 7800 so it would fall to 68-ish to still
1: be in boost.
0: Because it was dog below 5500. It was terrible.
1: Yeah, that's a a Honda thing. Yeah, I don't, like, I'm not really, everybody thinks I'm this, like, hardcore Honda guy but I barely know shit about anything other than Case. So, it's just, like, everybody asks me all these B-series questions. I'm like, I don't know a fucking thing. I'm like, if it ain't in the junkyard, I don't know anything about it, but... All those things are huge money now. Like all the VTEC V16 stuff. And yeah, like, man, you got to be like really dedicated to that shit to be doing that over some junkyard K stuff or or something like that. They're doing like 600 wheel now with fucking junk K24s out of a TSX. Fresh, so it's it's pretty crazy that way.
0: Yeah, I got to do a lot of catching up on K series stuff for what I'm doing. I'll have to get some recommendations from you, but I think we're gonna do we're gonna do the eBay Turbo, and I'm gonna run like five pounds non yeah, cooled for now.
1: It'll, it'll be fine.
0: And the, I gotta weigh that truck then because it's not gonna weigh a damn thing.
1: Yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be fun because
0: that there's no front end, and I mean I'm sure I could. I probably will end up cutting a bunch of it because there's needless amount, like I said, boxed for no reason, and they boxed it's like a Coke can. Why even box it? Just. So I was gonna cut the whole nose out, and then like put in uh, tubing or something, and then have yeah, to see how I, mean, I can... that thing's
1: got to be lighter than like an EG Civic, right? Like it's yeah, it's, those things they're all gone now; they all rusted away because they were made of such thin metal, like even thinner than Honda. So I remember they they were my friends had them twenty years ago, and they were rusted away. So yeah, already still got a, a good one is pretty amazing. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and like I said to her, like, her Evo has a grocery getter tune that makes 400 all-wheel on 18 yeah. pounds on a Mustang dyno. Yeah. And uh, I said to her, like, this thing will make 400 wheel no problem, even with probably an eBay turbo. Yeah. It'll, it'll shit on your Evo because it'll probably be a 1,000 pounds less. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh Oh, have you ever tried the Gen 5 crank and the Gen... He's, this guy says, "I know you did videos, and you said earlier he might." I just haven't
1: finished it yet. So, I on the Chevette, I ended up wiping out the thrust because I have an eBay Powerglide in it that I bought for nine hundred ninety nine dollars, and it never had any of the, it, the drain back yeah, or to whatever. One seventy with that nine hundred ninety nine dollar that I've never ever even opened up. But uh, yeah, so it didn't have the restrictor in the pump feed. And it wiped out the thr- thrust eventually once we started light- leaning on it. So, the next end short block that's going in the Chevette is the LT4 rod with the LT1 crank and the 5.3, the LC9 block and pistons. So, I'm going to actually, I was actually going to drop it off for balancing the other day here. I just was waiting for some of my K parts to show up so I could drop them all off at once. But that's what's going in the Chevette for the next time it comes out with twin Borg Warner s 372 So. Hopefully we could turn it up a little bit. That way I keep debating on it if I'm going to go to methanol too, just for something to learn. Yeah.
0: I'm really curious. I know KSR has brought that to light for a lot of people, but the switching the fuel system, we're going to do that on Cameron's car. It's going to run on whatever yeah. and then swap over to methanol. But uh, and uh, One of my friends, uh, Devin, sent me a tune for a Dominator and showed me how that works. And my, yeah. I was like, "Oh man, that's easier than I thought it would be." Like the way it uh, it uses the external box and switches over, and you can change percentages. I was yeah. wondering how. Oh, uh, my wife commented here. Not, I don't re- I didn't see when the time was, but she was writing stuff. But I was so far up waiting for questions, I didn't even see it. She always comes in to talk smack on me. <laughs> I'm much appreciated. Uh, yeah, I always wanted to do methanol something I haven't done, so I want to. So what's cool is Cameron's going to do it and I can learn.
1: So is he going to just use two sets of injectors and then... Or is he going to... One set is going to be like gas and one set's going to be... Uh,
0: I don't like, know no, if he oh. has figured it out yet. But uh he's going to do... He got a BTR intake with the double injector oh, stuff done. So he has that. And I think he wants to swap over from like E85 straight to that. Yeah. Or run, like, a mix. I don't think you can mix, though, that well and get the air-fuel right between a little bit of E and a little bit of meth. So at some point, it's got to switch off. So then he's got to have some really large secondaries. So
1: I don't know. Yeah, either. that would be the... Like, I, I if I do it, I'm just going to run two sets of 210s on, on That's like, what Devin you know, does. all the yeah. super low intakes and then ditch the intercooler and do it that way because it seems like everybody's having pretty good success and then you don't need the extra driver box and shit like that you can just do it all in the yeah because it
0: has enough amperage to run two sets of internal yeah and
1: like if I ditch my intercooler where the intercooler sits I could do like a surge tank and then I'll just use my rear tank to fill the front and then just do like some sort of belt drive or my cooling system sucks on that car so it needs a total redo so I'd probably do like a, a cam drive fuel pump and then do an electric water pump and then keep that to the side and then on methanol the intercooler would, or the radiator would probably work fine and yeah it'll up knock up. it it'll get frost yeah. on your intake and i learned that even with like the mini the mini has the radiator mounted underneath and when it doesn't steam airlock it works incredible like it's like 120 degrees with no airflow and, <laughs> and they'll just sit there and idle around all day with the intake frosting But then, as soon as you start whaling on it, my cooling system needs a a way to get the air out of it, and I didn't have that for LS Fest. So, as soon as it would airlock, the flow would stop flowing, and I would just drive it until it stopped running.
0: What's your favorite cheap
1: LS boost cam? I love the Summit Stage Two. I've I've probably, I have actually, I posted a picture a while ago, but I have like thirteen of them. (laughs) <laughs> i've used i have i still have 13 leftover boxes as like kind of a souvenir of keeping track of how many i've used like i used to use like a lot of like when we did the trucks back in the day we used to use the sloppy stage one like i've been using those before great we cam called them back, right? like we used to buy them for a hundred bucks off of ls1 tech because everybody thought they were that's when everything everybody was going full retard on the cams and going like 250, 260 on a stock LS one and they're selling off these trick flow, trick flow stage one cams for a hundred dollars and I started using them and we made like my propane truck had one and it made incredible torque. Like it was just like seven hundred horsepower and six hundred ninety five foot pounds of torque. And that like when you have a heavy ass vehicle, those things they kind of make they make the vehicle. It just rolled out so hard for such a big truck. Whereas a lot of guys overcam their shit and it it ends up being less fun because you're not making the torque that also helps fuel the turbo and all that kind of shit right? so. uh well the
0: this guy asked what cam would you suggest for a na 3 with a manual trans that's one of those can of worm questions what do you want to do with it you know is it a race car do you want it to idle do you want it to drive okay yeah if Sunny. that's all it's going
1: to be, or are you going to do something with the future? Like everybody says they want an LS car until they drive an LS car, like a big cam LS car, and then they realize they want a blower or a turbo, and then you want something <laughs> like
0: that. You can't putz it around a parking lot unless you're doing twenty in first.
1: It's it's like like how you always say with the goals, right? You you want to you want to know what your big picture is. If right now you just want to big choppy ass cam buy that but if you're going to turbo or lower the thing down the road choose your cam accordingly and then just deal with the less power that it's going to make compared to this big ass cam that's not going to drive worth a shit
0: well this is a good question that a lot of people should probably hear again from potato it says so you've hypothetically built a don't asked me build and you want to take it a full step or two further What would you upgrade? You want me? I want to answer and you can answer too. Sure.
1: You answer first.
0: I I would say go big on the turbo and fuel system because the engines are capable. It's just
1: getting the fuel and air in there. Yeah. It's like, it's kind of like the next level, right? Like you just need, you just need more air and more fuel to make more power. Right. So like you're going to find the, 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 what's going to, the weak links of everything else, but just to make the power, that would be the next thing. Like, I love that 88 103 that beer makes. Like, it's a.
0: I can't wait uh, to do that on someone's car. It's that's what I've always wanted to see because Caesar yeah. posts up like 1250 rear wheel stuff with it. I'm like, man, that's the big single we've all been waiting for. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like, they, he was doing like the 67 66s from and <laughs> too. Oh like a couple of years ago and guys were making like 1300
0: on them. I can't like, wait. Mine has 6762 billet dual ball bearing mirrors. So I can't wait to have like a light switch 11 or 1300.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and he was like they like Caesar does all those those uh, OBS chef trucks and stuff yep. and they were running like 8s on those BS turbos. All those, those Mexican dudes love those trucks. Yeah, And it's just crazy. But that 88103 like power per dollar. That that would be, the, like, for the next upcoming, like, an S475. That would be what I would do. Yeah, like, I try that, to tell
0: people, too, go big. Go real yeah. big right away. Because everything
1: yeah. else is a waste. Yeah, you're pretty much going to have to do that. You're going to have to make sure you have enough fuel system to max out a set of 210s on, like, 58 PSI. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to have to make sure you have some sort of intercooler setup that's not going to be the re- restriction at that power level. Because your typical... Twelve by twenty-four by four standard, Deer and Inno Cooler or whoever else sells them isn't going to get you. To yeah, that you need level like a level. six so, inch on in the whole front. Yeah, of the car. like a six inch or or a legit Garrett, like the Garrett cores. I've been looking at it because I'm going to probably put one on my Civic. They've gotten ridiculously cheaper. Hmm. Like they're they're the big thing is is like even if it's a like especially if you're running on E5. Even if you have a shitty intercooler, you don't want it to be a restriction. Like, even if it can't yeah. knock the heat down, you run a, like a, a bigger vertical flow intercooler that that has twice the area for the heat hot side to go through. It's not going to knock your. You might still have 150 degree IATS, but uh, E85 doesn't really give a shit about that. But you're not having a 10 psi pressure drop across the intercooler to to restrict the air going from hot to cold right like it's just going to go through it's not going to cool so that's like a worst case scenario but like a lot of the newer intercooler like that on three six inch it's not going to really offer great cooling in the rear part of the thickness of the intercooler i've learned a lot about intercoolers because that's what i was watching on youtube right like you want your biggest you're better off with a twice the surface area and half the thickness than you are with twice the thickness and half the surface. I've
0: learned that about air to waters with a bunch of cars, especially... Yeah, in- because yeah.
1: most of the cooling happens in the first like your first three inches of thickness and your first, say 20 inches of intercooler, right? Like the last four, like on a 24 inch core, the last four inches is already pretty much as cold as it's going to get. It's not going to keep cooling it, right? And the stuff like the air that's going through the last thick three inches of the intercooler isn't getting fuck all for like cold air it's already been heated up by the air coming through it right so
0: yeah that's uh for this car since oh you saw the intercooler you already saw yeah
1: yeah we talked about that before how you're going to try to keep everything
0: totally segmented and then what I also noticed is that intercooler is so damn heavy and then I asked a bunch of people and they're like yeah a better intercooler there's more It weighs way more and I'm yeah, because like, there's
1: more fin density, right? So. I'm like,
0: what is in this? Concrete? Holy <laughs> shit, this is heavy. I'm like, yeah. is that bad or good? And a couple of my friends were like, it's really good. I'm like, it weighs more than my kid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this intercooler. I'm so used yeah. to having the ones like
1: uh, yeah. the standard cheap one. that you can just, foil, like throw right? it. Yeah, like the fins are made out of tin foil if you touch
0: them. Yeah, and they ting, like they sound like, uh, you know, empty. Yeah. And then this one is like thud when I put it on the ground. We were running twelve flats with a single cam on BBK Uber Data back in the early two thousands. Get at me, bro, Chris Ortiz. Wrote. <laughs> What's a BBKA Uber Data? What's that? Oh
1: man, Uber Data! Like there was so many, so many chips for Hondas back in the day. Like I didn't, I didn't mess with any of them, but. I don't even mess with, like, I didn't even buy KPRO for my car. I just went straight to a Tech because I was like, there's no way I'm fucking with that shit.
0: ECU Master is actually interested in, because I've I've commented on a lot of their videos, and recently they're like, hey, we like what you do. We're building a Don't BS Me Volvo, actually. And I'm like, oh, wow, really? You know who I am? (laughs) And then I saw the
1: they they figured out the trigger pattern for the K that's the biggest thing it's got like a super weird trigger pattern so it's like a 4 plus 1 or a 12 plus 1 on the crank and then a 4 plus 1 on the intake cam and then a 4 tooth on the and on the exhaust cam but then it uses the compares the exhaust cam to the intake cam for the VVT so like a lot of ECUs can't do it right that's the thing I
0: saw that so that's why I uh, I just hit them up and I was like hey I know you guys have plug and play K stuff. You can say no, you can, don't even have to answer this, but I'd like to use your ECU before I, that's what I do anymore. Cause what I notice is I do stuff and then people are like, oh, we would have done something with you. So yeah. as much as it's weird for me to ask people, I know that they would like to ultimately. So I ask them and they're like, yeah, yeah, we'd like to work with you. So I'm like, oh, cool. Because they have a plug and play and a base solution and everything for a K. They yeah, actually, sure. I don't think they, they don't sell a plug-and-play harness, but if I get, like, you can buy a cleaned-up K-series harness I've seen for, like, 240 bucks.
1: Yeah, they make, like, a Chinese-topped harness. And hard. then they make, a
0: uh, ECU Master sells adapters for a lot of cars, because my friend, I've tuned a VR6 with it, with ethanol and a turbo, and I'd never touched it before. The guy already had it running. And then another one of my friends has a R 32 Skyline, and they have a patch harness for that and then what's cool is the patch harness has extra leads for like ethanol fuel pressure like a bunch of stuff so that's what's nice also is they already have the leads pinned for extras and then uh so i tuned both of those and i'm like i'd never even touched it and i'm like i was able to pick it up right away and i'm like this is pretty nice and uh, they have some features like live data log graphs while you're in
1: the tune yeah and you don't have to I tuned a two J. They actually make a plug and play two JZ, three fifty Z, harness that like everything works, like the dash works and everything. Yeah, they make really cool. And yeah, I tuned that, and I I got I wrap my head around the software pretty quick. It's it's not like all colorful, like it's pretty pretty like monotone, but it does what it's supposed to do.
0: It's intuitive and highly functional, in my opinion, yeah. which is a yeah. lot of people can't even get that across. Yeah. And then it's guy work. actually
1: it's motion auto TV. He has a all wheel drive civic and he runs it on ECU master. I like
0: saw him. And he then like he also, the he built like a turbo trailblazer. He had a ton of issues yeah. with, and they sponsored him for that too. Yeah. And then he was able to do like all the good stuff with that also. So I was interested in them. And then when I heard they actually give a shit about me and what I do, I was like, Oh, I should, I should hit these people up. Cause instead of wiring some garbage to it or trying to get Honda to, or something, I'm like I should just do that. And then the harness is kind of beat up from the accident this element was in. Yeah. So I was thinking about buying like the really cleaned up China one and then using their adapter just for fun.
1: Yeah, well you might as well because that'll save you so much time. And you know, I
0: was ready. like, oh, I'll probably build a custom harness. And then I was looking at everything when I was stripping down the motor, and I'm like, a bunch of my connectors are broken and everything. I'm yeah. like, I'm probably not going to do this
1: now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll probably. For two hundred and thirty-five dollars. That's what I looked harnesses. up,
0: and I was like, a tucked harness is two hundred fifty dollars. So what yeah. the hell am I? And that eliminates all the stuff that I'd have to cut down, and then it has the stock connectors, which the patch harness connects to. Yeah. I'm like, I'm really doing myself a disservice if I don't buy all of that. Yeah, like
1: they weren't that cheap before. I don't know what happened. I think it's a lot. A lot of it happened. Even same with like the stock LS harnesses. Yep. Like you can get one of those for like a hundred fifty bucks now. It's not even worth your time but uh they used to be like 500 bucks like when i was building my car and i was still contemplating it because like who really wants to use a, a 20 30 year old harness for doing something yeah, like this? this was
0: beat and dirty and a lot of the connectors yeah. i'm like uh, i don't want to do this
1: yeah and like even my haltech like my haltech has like a it's an elite 1500 in all wheel drive car and it has like the patch harness but it's a little more Focused where I I actually had to separate the wires that I wanted to use for other things because on the fifteen hundred they pretty much had everything delegated except for like four or five inputs and I was like well I don't need an idle motor on this thing and I don't need this and I don't need evap uh, because so they make pull it like some totally stuff back em- yeah so they make it totally emissions legal for like evap so because Australia
0: is really bad with that
1: yeah so. So they, I ended up just reconfiguring all that shit for the stuff that I actually wanted, like boost control and launch control and two-step and all this kind of stuff. So I just ended up separating it and just putting a Deutsch connector on it and running the wires to whatever I needed it to. So Awesome.
0: This says, uh, what car would you like to see Matt build next and what style build? Oh, I'm
1: pretty stoked about the, the rabbit truck. Yep. That, I think like, that'll that be cool. We've been talking about a couple different things on it, but but it's 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 definitely going to be cool. I, I, I love, like, I jumped into the K stuff as soon as I figured out that it was pretty much the LS stuff of the Honda world because you can really push the stock shit really far or you can do a built motor and do everything that way. But, like, if you guys watch, there's a channel called Humble Performance. They're in Oklahoma. They push the stock K24s out of the TSX to, like, 600 on a dyno jet wow and then they go and run like they're still front wheel drive honda so they run 10 at like 140 or whatever but yeah it, i think they've got one into the nines now and it's just there's one guy uh that i follow he's from like southern florida he has an all-wheel drive eg civic and he just went eights on a stock k24 wow so it's like totally the same ball game of of stuff the only difference is is like it's the same as the LS stuff. The tra- tra- manual transmissions are made out of glass, right? So yeah. once you get over the five six hundred horsepower range, you start shredding gears and doing that kind of stuff. And, but that's it, what I just... figured.
0: Hers with like four hundred will be one. Yeah, and
1: it'll live forever, right? Like that yeah. thing. It's like even if you pop it, you go buy a JDM K twenty four from one of the the JDM people, and it's got the three little uh, the three lobe v in it and now if you have the ECU master you can tune all that stuff when it comes
0: that's to what i was really interested because they have all of the vvt stuff already mapped base tune yeah. everything like i just need to toss in injectors and a flex sensor and we're really in business
1: yeah like on on the pinto i really wanted to run uh i'm still on the fence i was going to run it on a terminator uh, but I'd have to lose the VVT. But yeah. after you see like some of the power curves that they make versus say like a B series where you get the crazy like rising uh, the the straight line up, whereas like my car, it comes on real hard as soon as the boost hits. And then it, it's like a flat power curve. I really don't know if I want to give that up yet. So I mm-hmm. might just use the Tech on both cars and just switch it back and forth and, have two different tunes and just buy a unterminated harness and build my own harness for it so
0: that's what I was I was thinking about doing the same thing like a Terminator or Megasquare product because it's not something I've really used that much and I can make a lot of settings changes but then uh, I'm like do I want to lock it out and not be able to and then I'm like
1: once I well that's like yeah that's the greatest thing about the K series is having that BVT and making that mid-range power, right? Like, that's what, what makes them superior, superior over a B series.
0: Yeah, and that's what my friend with the Subaru shop was showing me, how he can retard the cam and make more boost down low. And then same thing, move the cam while and then make the flat power up top. And the yeah. same thing I was thinking, like, stock cam, stock everything with the K. I'd be able to do all that also. And it's not something I do... Ever so, it'd be cool to learn it. Yeah. One set of billet atomizers is easier than a two sets of two tens, but you're going to be cleaning the billet atomizers every eighth mile. Do you guys not see? uh I mean, that's a giant joke that no one talks about. But <laughs> every time yeah. James made one pass the other day, and he's like, "I'm down a cylinder. I lost an injector." Yeah. Like, how do you I guys? I
1: left. I literally left the two tens with methanol in my my burnout car for six months and it still fired up yeah. and ran on all, all eight cylinders to yeah. the point that like it was so mm-hmm. fat that there was liquid methanol pouring out the exhaust and it still i just switched it over to gas like winterized it and it did nothing didn't miss a beat like yeah. i'm gonna check them before i start running the car again but like there's i wouldn't ne- i wouldn't touch an atomizer or at the 10 foot pole, like You could give them to me and all I would do is sell them.
0: And FuelTech has those big boys now. Yeah. And then Billet Atomizer is trying to sue them. And I'm like, well, if theirs work and yours don't, it's clearly not the same product. (laughs) 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 Like, how do you patent an injector? It's all a coil and a plunger. But obviously, that's what they're
1: afraid of is theirs suck. And then everyone's not Well, gonna... it, it must have not lasted because they're selling them again. I I I remember when that came up they pulled them all down from their site and shit and Yeah, they now they made a video like a, a lawyer, month ago highlighting the them. Yeah.
0: Whatever cam the hype guy is lying this month about. <laughs> That's the Chris Ortiz is saying that for I'm sure, like what's the best cam or your favorite yeah. cam? Don't Whatever the, the, hype the hype guy is lying of this month about. <laughs> Don't believe the hype question oh he says uh eighty eight one oh three or a gt55 in my opinion the eighty eight one oh three is basically a gt55 frame
1: pretty much it's like Unless a pro mod like turbo legit one right but... yeah
0: obviously but it's so big it basically is a gt55 yeah because once you get into that like 90 100, 101 range like a 90 millimeter with a 101 backside it basically is a gt55
1: yeah he says, yeah, it's just a GT fifty five in a smaller housing, right? Yeah, he
0: sells a money. like a ninety six one ten, I think, too. Something really big. Yeah. But that I'd love to see a stock six liter with an eighty eight one hundred three because I had that eighty one hundred two, and it lit that great. And man, I had I had it on twenty six pounds, and it would make still one pound less back pressure than intake.
1: Yeah, that's. I was
0: like, guys. damn, yeah. this thing's sick.
1: Yeah, my buddy, my buddy Cody, he has a. I sold him my eighty-eight 103 It's a six liter with rods and pistons. He's going to put some tricked full two twenties to keep it down, but it's in like a OBS chef truck. The things, the things, rocking like for what it is. And then somebody else posted on one of the pages on like an S four eighty five that he was going eights in a full size truck. So like I was, I seen that and I was like, holy crap, like 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 a beer in S four eighty five and I was like, man, these these guys are working the shit out and making the stuff fly, right? Like like I've ran I've ran the eighty eight or the the ninety six wheel exhaust wheel to the limit on a few combos and and you could tell that the intake side had a little bit more or less so left. Yeah. So I always thought the one oh three would be wicked, right?
0: Yeah, and people are afraid of a turbo that big and honestly Sometimes they work even better than getting choked by the other turbine. I never thought, like, it's funny how, uh, yeah, like, I run into a bunch of cars, too, that just seemingly run out of turbine. They're just done. Yeah. And then you're like, years ago, like, you were saying, I'm laughing, too, because uh, I'm like, turbine, more turbine, more fuel, more turbine, more fuel. Just keep throwing yeah. turbine at it. People are yeah. like, that's too big. And I'm like, no, nope, more turbine, more and more.
1: Yeah, that theory pretty much went out the window for me when I started following this Honda stuff, and the, the Honda guys are running like an 85 mil exhaust wheel. Yeah, super guys two, too, right? like
0: the super fast responding. Yeah, uh, like an
1: 83, 85 precision. That's what I was just like saying stuff.
0: to you, like a 78, 82 and stuff like that. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's crazy. Like, I, I, I've thought about it over the last while, and I thought about it more of like the paddle wheel effect. Yeah. Like the, like you have this nozzle that's pushing on the end of a long lever versus one that's pushing on a shorter lever. So yep. less back pressure is going to drive that bigger wheel because it's farther out from the center, more. right?
0: And then what's funny is you said that is Jose Zayas from Forced Inductions told me the same thing, more torque on the shaft. Yeah. The distance is greater and it can spin it. I've noticed yeah, it's it a too. Yeah,
1: it's a bigger breaker bar.
0: Yeah, much. I've noticed it too, where we've gone up in turbo size and increased transient and like available boost down low. And yeah. I'm like, damn, especially what's, uh, what really, in my opinion, also the turbines would probably be okay if everyone was still running gasoline. Yeah. But E85 creates more exhaust gas. And then also that's why like Honda guys and everybody else have bigger turbos because they have more exhaust gas to use on ethanol.
1: Yeah, because you still have a certain, even on a Honda, at 800 horsepower, you still have a cert. it takes a certain amount of fuel and air to make that horsepower, right? Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter if it's a Honda, you still have to get that much air and fuel out of the turbo, burnt or unburnt, anyway. So it's going to drive a turbo at 800 horsepower regardless, right? So,
0: Well, someone asked, this is a good one, I'll have you answer it first, because I know what my answer is the power limit of e85 before it'll stop making power actually that's kind of can of worms but before yeah, it'll stop it depends making on power, how
1: efficient the combo is right i yeah, that's, like i thought it was just get...
0: gonna be power limit of e85 and then i read that and i'm like well that's it's always turbine limited in, in my opinion
1: yeah, like you never like I've gotten to a few combos where you get to that dead zone where it just stops picking up power on timing, but it's usually a combination of of things. But like my all-wheel drive Civic made eight hundred wheel right, so that's two hundred wheel per cylinder. Yeah, disgusting. Of of on E eighty five on like straight eighty five percent content E eighty five, but that that the volumetric efficiency of a two point four liter engine. At ten thousand RPM, is not the same as an LS at yeah. seven thousand RPM, right? Like so, your vol when your volumetric efficiency is lower, NA or whatever it is, you're not going to get the efficiency out of the fuel because more of it's going to be used up to drive parts and all that kind of shit, right? But
0: I was going to say, like, yeah, before it stops making power is a combination thing. That's that's a tricky question. But power limit of E85 is just astronomical. My Dyno will read 1,500 horsepower. And I probably have six cars that I have pinned that on with Pump E in like the 58% range.
1: Yeah. So it's in that same kind of ballpark of 200, say 150 to 200 horsepower per cylinder kind of thing. (laughs) Like you're thinking somewhere around there, but... But well, what's the limit? Like, either you usually run out of something else. You either run yeah. out of turbine, you run out of fuel system, you run out of whatever, right? But... Uh,
0: Humble's two blocks from me. Nice tiny shop. Humble knows Hondas.
1: Yeah, there's, Alex seems like, oh, okay, dude, I started watching that channel when I first started getting into Hondas. They were doing budget stuff, and I was all about that. But Honda guys are big on name brand stuff, which I don't really click with because, like, I won't even buy a, a shirt with a Precision logo on it, let alone an actual Precision Turbo. Like, I'm a, the fanciest I get is Borg Warner stuff and, and stuff like that. But there's no way I'm buying a $4,000 Turbo for my Honda, no matter what it is, just to have it blow up on me. E85
0: will go to the moon. Yeah, I mean, what I always like to do, I guess it depends on the combo also. This is why I don't see it on Turbo LS builds, but I always keep going back to that. People talk about Ignite E98 and stuff like that. Yeah, like the race. And they're like, it's way better than pump. I think part of it's a marketing scheme because E85 is pump race gas, but then race gas companies are like, oh, what do we do? Well, they mix race gas in E85 and charge you $10 a gallon. And people yeah. are like, wow, what blah. And I'm like, the whole point of this fuel was to not be $10 a gallon, kids. <laughs> and then uh, I'm like, the I have reached out to a bunch of people where I want to do like a pump ethanol. And I'll even water it to like 50 flat. And then I want to tune a car where it has diminishing gains. Like wherever, like I'll do a bunch of poles in a five degree window and show... Where it is and then I would like to completely drain the fuel system dry and put in ignite E98 And then see if it's any better at all other than using more of my fuel system
1: Yeah, well also you got to be at the limit of something to actually see the benefits of it And
0: that's what you were talking about. I understand if it's a bunch of import guys like Jay from real street I asked him the same question and since they're making like 300 horsepower per cylinder. It makes sense but your yeah. average human being in a Subaru yeah. and a Turbo LS is absolutely never going to need Ignite E98. Yeah.
1: I, I, we, we used to be big on race gas because we just got E85 here like fairly recently because one of the local stations caters to like a lot of fancy cars that they're, like the Audi guys and Lambo guys are getting into E85 too. And so this little mom and pop gas station started bringing it in. But I straight up told people, I was running E98 before that from the the barrel. And I told people, like, straight up versus what a a drum of C16 costs now. You can buy a set of 210s from Viren, upgrade your fuel system, and buy a a 45-gallon drum of E for the same price as one drum of C16. Yeah. Right? Like, it's just ridiculous. Like. I'd be willing to take a 10% hit. Most of the time you don't because you're not pushed through the limit, but I'd be willing to take a 10% hit on horsepower just to save that money where you never have to drain it. You just drive around on the ship because it's here. We pay at like a dollar thirty a liter, which is like, what's that? Probably like four bucks a gallon. So oh, wow. it's crazy. It's whatever you guys are paying. Like we pay the same for 87 as we do for E. So it's whatever that is.
0: What's crazy is in our area, it's a dollar cheaper a gallon to go from 87 to E.
1: Yeah. And it's like like if it was like $2 cheaper than 93. But this guy gets it specifically brought in. It's 85, like it's true E85. It Uh, tests 80 or better all the time. So I'm willing to pay. It's still ridiculously cheaper than race gas. Yeah.
0: Yeah, this is a good one. You do, I barely do any twins. So that's what's interesting to me about doing so much on my Mustang. It says, can we touch on twins? I would love some advice. So I guess like summarize, like if you, I always say to people, twins are good if you want more power than a single. And then at some point, a single turbo gets so large, you can't physically fit it or the downpipe unless it's a race car out the hood. So twins are functionally, physically
1: easier sometimes. When I used to do a lot of uh, LS swaps and turbo LS swaps, the big thing was that most most people did it aesthetically, right? Like, they wanted the twins because they wanted the somewhat symmetrical yeah, aspect to it and the look to it and stuff like that. And a lot of the time you can get a pretty, like, one, driving, one half of a 6-liter driving, like, a 6262 62 is going to spool fairly decent, and you're not going to have the lag, like, you would probably have with like an 88 103 or something like that so guys wanted like a little more peppy of a turbo right turbo setup so yeah. that's the main thing like really all, i most of the time i would try to talk people out of it and just do a single but eventually you get to a really big single if you're not class limited that it, it gets clunky and it's hard to fit in the engine compartment and stuff like that too so Oh this I
0: agree with that. This guy says they say the little e eighty five glass tester is not an accurate way to test. I mean, people are buying eighteen dollar ones like like screen printed off eBay and then also uh, it's funny, people will trust a sight glass that reads higher than electronics that run the car, yeah, and they're like well the this plastic thing off eBay says this, and then my g m content sensor installed in five million vehicles. make them run reliably uh must be incorrect but i also say to people like a site class can't tell you about like detergent and other additives so a lot of times uh ethanol content sensor is roughly 10 percent lower than what you would see in a shake class but then also the big thing there is if your fuel trims are good on zero 25 75 then the math is perfect if your fuel trims are off significantly, then you know, and you have to work on your scale because I, yeah. uh, from what I see, with like a whole different bunch of brand injectors and a Continental sensor and Holly's scale, which is what I always use, I'll dyno a car on pump and then dump in ten, fifteen gallons of E and dyno it, and the trims are so close, all the math has to be perfect.
1: Yeah, for sure. We had a problem earlier this summer where. Uh, they must have got some water in their E85 tank or something because it was making everybody's, everybody who wasn't on flex didn't notice a damn thing yeah. but everybody who was on flex their sensor was failing, Pegging like her. it would just freak out and then guys would drain it out, put straight pump gas in it and it would come back and it would just be fine huh. and then they'd try putting the fuel in again and it would freak out. I'm like well, most of the hardcore guys are just E85 all the time but a lot of the guys would like the gauges, like the display gauges and the GMs with the flex fuel, they were freaking out about it and they were all concerned. And at the time I was just wailing on my car on the dyno making 800 horsepower. And I'm like, don't worry about it. It's fine. I'm like, it's good. It's good. It's good. It's like, I'm like from, from that aspect. And they're like, well, check it with the sensor or check it with the the tube. And I'm like, well, if it's got water in it, you're not going to see it. You're adding water into it to figure out, so how are you going to tell if it's 1% off, if there's 1% water mixed in with the 80% E85? And nobody... Well, some people could wrap their head around it, but not everybody. But. Yeah. And
0: then also I've heard if you put a content sensor in 100% water, it reads 100% alcohol because it's a continuity tester. Yeah. Also, it, it, it reads continuity and it estimates the alcohol, but I would say that it it doesn't really estimate it; it. It knows... Yeah it's, yeah, it's it's always like I said, the math would not be good at all if it wasn't a hundred percent accurate. So Yeah, for sure.
1: Well, the big thing is also is with people who run E eighty five is what do you have your fail set at? Do you have it set at eighty five percent or do you have it set at a hundred percent gas? Yeah, exactly. Like where the sensor fails because like if you're on E because most of the people who go on you don't go back to pump gas it's just
0: there like unless we talked they, about a safety net
1: yeah well they don't go back to pump gas unless they they get caught at a gas station where they yeah that's eat. what I
0: mean for safety yeah. like just to yeah. put garbage in it to get home
1: yeah but then but then they have their fail safe set to 100% gas so when it does fail if the car is running
0: 30% yeah if it's obviously if it's running mostly E you want to fail to what the content is mostly like 70% yeah, then it'll run fine, and then the closed loop will carry the team.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I noticed like even when uh, Garrett was doing like drag week, they were just they were just clearing the learn table and switching between gas and E eighty five. Once they yeah. got to the next track, they just clear the, the learn table, swap back to E eighty five, and no content NCAA, sensor at all. all yeah,
0: team. I've heard of Blake Hughes. And those other guys years ago before I knew anything about blending and tuning and all of that stuff where they would do the same. They would just put pump in and let the, they just cruise nice and let the learn do it.
1: Yeah. I love the line stuff. Like I do it's stupid so shit all the time. It's
0: so That's what, once I learned that, I was like, this is worth, I, cause there yeah. was no cheaper one. I did a Dominator right away in my car. And once I figured out how fast it was and has the long term yeah. table and stuff, I was like, man, this is worth way more than I spent.
1: Yeah. Literally, like I was doing, like I did the 3 AM 380 thing and shit like that. and One pump would be always failing and doing dumb shit. And we got 300 percent duty cycle and all this kind of shit. And it saved my ass enough times that that I didn't even bother. Like I really treated that stock bottom N five three pretty bad and, I just let it roll with it. I was like, everybody's like, well, why don't you put the safety? And I'm like, well, I could. I have fuel pressure and all that kind of stuff. But why? I'm like, I'm trying to go fast here. So Yeah, it'll knock you down.
0: Yeah. And it's the same thing with guys that do. I've had friends do nitrous kits where they have like six of the safeties and like a fuel pressure switch. Well, when you hit a big nitrous kit off the rail, it does yank your fuel pressure. Yeah, And then it shuts the kit off, and then the kit's so pissed that it never turns back on. Yeah. So, and yeah. then the,
1: you're scrambling, trying to figure out what the fuck it's doing. And...
0: Yeah, you have eight mechanical micro-switches firing <laughs> yeah. your stuff in line, and none of yeah. them work. Oh, uh, Kyle's on here. He says, Team Canada, I'm the closed-loop cowboy.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I do the same. I think that's one thing that Joe Simpson and I disagree on, is he likes to tune completely open loop and then make the closed loop like fairly tight i think like 10 percent, and i'm just like 50 100 cowboy yeah. also because it's in, great
1: until something happens in
0: my experience like, it will completely save your ass and then oh totally. the only downside is is some people seem to kill o2 sensors all the time unplug it just unplug yeah. it and it'll stop trimming excessive amounts yeah I've seen that too, where someone has like a stock ECU and they're like it keeps trimming everything. I'm like unplug them, unplug the damn things. Yeah. Can I do that? Yeah, throw them in the trash. Yeah. yeah. Just unplug them till you get somewhere, so it's not trimming seventy five percent out. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I haven't lost an O2 sensor yet. I never I have either. The, I don't know what I you use tell the Honda Odyssey NTK ones from whatever parts store, right? Oh, is that I an actual NTK? A... Uh, I have one. I have an actual NTK on one bank, and then I have a holly one on. Other. Oh, okay. i figured out that so i have like a instead of the resistor that comes with the holly i i built a little i put a little trim pot so i just when i put a brand new sensor in i just trim it to the other bank
0: oh to get the for your dominator right. so, for the twins yeah oh because
1: i really couldn't i couldn't swallow buying a second sensor 257
0: in the us i think yeah, probably now, more now. Now there's
1: that mad racing parts. He sells them for a little bit. He makes them himself. But oh. I figured
0: it would. Can you run a mechanical fuel pump on the street? I mean, people do, but it makes so much more sense in any kind of long term driving to have like a 255 or a 400. Yeah, and then, and then putting on like Cameron's going to knock his belt off. Like everybody does that. They take the belt off and they run yeah. on the EFI pump.
1: Yeah. Even with like the bigger magna fuels and stuff that aren't meant to run consistent consistently. If you run some smaller pump with a, with a, like a AEM with a check valve and then yeah. have that one. And, and the other one that's, that's pretty much as far as I would go with like dual pumps. Now, like
0: what I've always uh, wanted d- to do is PWM one of those. Cause magna fuel says you can.
1: Yeah. Oh, I don't doubt it. Like it's just a basic electric motor. Right. So
0: some of them, like I've PWM some Walburows and heard them. Yeah. So oh, I'd well, like you're to know
1: resist- your resistance, your amperage goes way up when you pulse
0: so, Yeah, so I don't know how to. Maybe it's a frequency issue that I had, or a minimum duty cycle, or both. I don't know. New brushless pumps are fantastic. Kyle just said so. That's yeah. what what I did is I pulled my brushless out of the G because I'm going to put a single brushless in my Mustang and see how. Because I think that pump is severely underrated.
1: So, oh, yeah, there's, there's guys running the 10O on methanol and making, like, wicked power on it. I was on the VR1,
0: right? Yeah. Yeah, I want to put one in my, I pulled it out of my G, I want to put it in my Mustang and see if I can make 1300 with the single pump. Because the big one there is there's no flow loss up to 130 PSI.
1: Yeah, I noticed that about the graph on the
0: So, if you start at 80 with two tens and you run 30 pounds of boost, like, your injector is now a 400-pound injector, like, it starts to get insane at some point. So, yeah, I think, uh, I don't think I would even run out, because part of me wanted to do a surge tank on this, because Brad uh, from Snake Eater sent me uh, three of his 415s, Bosch 415s, and I've never done a surge, so I thought, why don't I do a surge and then run on one and then... But then I'm like, man, I've made 800 plus on E85 with this stupid brushless. I should just put that in, and then I will know the answer because people think the brushless pump's expensive until you have six pumps and a tank and a surge and a, you know. Yeah. And then the brushless, uh, you could probably do what I almost wish they would do, which is too hard for most people to fathom. They have the single line that you can turn the second stage on and off. Yeah. So people make expensive-ass controllers like uh, Deutschworks and Teachworks and some other places and TI Automotive. It's like a million dollars for the pump and controller because you have to PWM them and set all sorts of stuff up. Holly was pretty smart, and they took, like, their 6010 box, and it has two settings, high and low. Yeah. It's super easy. So I would like for them to have a high-low switch and then maybe a PWM one where you could just turn it up slowly if you wanted to. Because I've noticed yeah. on a bunch of cars, it's funny, when that second stage hits, if you do it too early, you get like an additional 10 pounds of fuel pressure early, <laughs> like it can't even return it, I've noticed. So I turn it on later and later to get rid of the spike. But like uh, fire hose. I think that it can be, it, it's... I thought about
1: doing one of those pumps if I did methanol on the, on, on the chevette, just because it would simplify not having the front surge tank and stuff. It's just... The price is a hard pill to small swallow for that ten o. Like it's, it's oh, just. Yeah. I was like, I was gonna just wait a bit and make sure they were pretty proven, which they seem to be. I want to see a few more guys run them on methanol and then. Yeah, what's funny
0: is them. Ortiz uh, got a, I think a five o for something, and they sent him like two or three bad ones in a row. Yeah, and then like the circuit board was cooked. And like right out of the box, he opened the one in the same issue that it had from the other one. And he actually hit them up, and they, they actually partially admitted that they had a bad batch. They Oops. wouldn't outright say it, but uh, yeah. the uh, I'm going to try just the one, and it would be cool to make all that power with the one. And then I've yeah. showed people, I'm like, this is thinner than a 255. It's a little bit longer, but it's small. It can fit like so easily in a lot of things this guy says a Amer- 5.0 oh, five o oh, gpm sounds amazing when it's sucking air uh <laughs> oh, China fuel pumps are an awful idea i've had you have no idea how many people I've had with like five two fifty fives what a joke like <laughs>
1: the it VR seemed like a great idea it seemed like a great idea in the beginning and then you you realize you're just like juggling
0: they're like oh they're only fifty dollars a piece I'm like how did you even get that many in there yeah, and then I'm like, yeah, two, a two, a four fifty is a hundred bucks. A real four fifty is a hundred dollars.
1: The new A, I'm not a huge fan of the new AEM in mines like the 044s. Like nope. their quality has definitely gone down. Down all down of them since the we Bosch, first start. Six years ago, they were bad.
0: Somehow yeah, like it's just
1: now, when they switched them from calling them three eighties to four hundreds, I yeah. swear they switched whoever was making them. Yep, and then they've just kind of gone downhill. Now Holly owns them, so can't talk too much trash.
0: Yeah, the uh, but the brushes is only like four hundred and eighty bucks. Yeah, and if you, I mean, I think it'll outflow a forty three oh three. So consider that. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit more for the Holly one, but it's tiny and it's in-tank and it's quiet and it's adjustable, built-in adjustable speed. Anyway. Yeah, I would have never considered to even talk about one of those until uh, they sent me one to use. And I'm like, holy shit, this is amazing. And it is cheaper than multiple pumps. And it is easier than doing hanging six pumps in a thing and wiring it. And and relatively, yeah. the gauge of the wires are small and, I mean, everything.
1: Then at least when you're having problems, if you do end up having problems, you only have to diagnose you know, so one so pump. One like pump. Right? Not, not like
0: that I usually have issues with two or three 450s, but I think these will outrun all of that with less current flow and... And then 450s nose over above 60, 75 pounds. Yeah, they're not a
1: high-pressure deal.
0: So that's what someone was asking earlier, I think. But they were asking about fuel pressure. But a lot... In-tank pumps are incredible. But uh, if you are you cannot go high pressure, they nose on fuel flow very fast at high pressures. Yeah. That's why on my... Uh, even on my truck, I had two 10s and three 450s. I set the uh, base pressure to 30 pounds and it still ran fine because I thought I might run 30 and then I'd be at 60
1: where they start nosing. Yeah, the biggest thing I've known learned with multiple pumps, it's kind of like twin turbos. Is like you get one pump, it's 400 liters. Putting two pumps isn't 800 liters. Nope. You get like another half yeah. and then you add a third pump and it's another quarter of that. Like you're not doubling the fuel flow every pump because every pump has to fight the fuel pressure of the other pump. Right. So you're not doubling your fuel flow. So if you got one pump, that's 800 liters per hour and you got one, two pumps, that's 400 each. The 800 is going to be leaps and bounds above two, 400 liter per hour. Pumps, yeah. right? Like, Cause they're all trying to fight through the same hole. Right. So it's the same as having two turbos supplying 20 pounds of boost into one pipe. They're going to be fighting each other against each other versus one turbo that can do the same power, right?
0: Yeah, I mean that's, that's... what we talked about with my twin turbo yeah. kit, where you're like, uh, "Hey, if you can segment everything, you'll make way more than." And I'm yeah. like, "Oh, that's a really good, you know, thing to think about." So that's why I did. That was a. It's like an 1100 horsepower intercooler that I bought, but it was a Blem. And I got it for 5.99 nice and i think it's
1: going to make wicked power because those turbos make good power anyways and when they're not going to have to be fighting each other it's going to be wild and i'm I'm pretty stoked to see what what that thing is going to end up yeah i bet
0: it makes retarded i'm gonna have to put like a two pound spring in it because i bet it it makes outs like and they're gonna light
1: they're gonna light faster they're gonna go farther they're gonna come on harder and it's just it's gonna be awesome
0: yeah it's that's why i wanted to do the uh, that's why I chose all like the stroker, but not, but stock bore. So I yeah. have more cylinder head on it. And then I did these turbos and then, uh, I knew I wanted, cause I could have got big turbos and just gone absolutely insane, but I'm like, I've never, I've always had, I've built some good peak power cars, but it'd be cool to have a car that makes like a thousand average almost everywhere. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and And you got the rods for it too that's why you don't have to worry about bending shit i can use the the bottom end
0: is what's really going to be interesting and then uh hunter has sixty two sixty twos on his car and he's like they light at like 1800 rpm and it makes almost unusable power early yeah they're so insane and i think on his like third pass he was already well into the eights with the damn thing and i'm like yeah that's you know i want to
1: yeah, I did like GT35Rs back in the day on a six liter and it was ridiculous. Like it was on in like a 4,000 pound truck and it just I couldn't believe how I was so we had to pull a bunch of power out to not bend the rods. in the middle. Yeah, but it was just ridiculous. Like it was just like the ultimate street. It only like we had it like 600 wheel on 10 pounds, but it, it was, was everywhere like the ultimate street truck. Right? Like, One of Cameron's first combos
0: was a 5.3 with two thirty fives and it, it made huge broad power it, it was one it was uh it went 9 like 980s 970 with that combo and it made 880 on my dyno but yeah it was everywhere yeah you could roll in and they were just ready to party all the time where's another oh i suffered an engine bay fire over the summer and the O2 sensor survived shielding at the sensors all melted away and it's still
1: kicking I got one like that too my mini caught fire on the first burnout uh, at LS Fest the the valve cover leaked onto the oh nice onto the, the O2 sensor and caught the plug. So that is like a permanent, I have like a Haltech methanol wideband in that car. Not that I have time to look at it, but the plug is just one piece where it connects together. It's all just one little ball. It still so, works though, right? Oh yeah. That's fine. I put a valve cover gasket in it, but we never bothered with the O2 sensor.
0: Yeah, it runs. So who cares?
1: Yeah. Oh, someone says,
0: people ask this all the time. No more Megasquirt love. It's just now that the the $1000 terminator exists.
1: For LS stuff, I I say no. The great thing about microsquirts and megasquirts is like you can run anything on them. So Yeah, like, of
0: course if you're a if, tinkerer if, and you need something that no one else supports, absolutely. Yeah. And I do it I still put them on stuff like I did a Honda Grom with a micro 6 years ago or something. Yeah, And you can't put a holly on a Grom. Like no. you cannot. And then like custom all you tri- need is a
1: thirty-six one wheel, and you can run anything on Waste Spark and and Batch Fire on a micro for four hundred dollars. Like I mean, you can attach the trigger wheel, you're set. Okay. Yeah, my
0: Grom had like a stock VR sensor that I was able to just easily hook up, and then I didn't want to do a complex like a Bip three seventy three for my stock coil, uh, whatever dummy coil it had. Yeah, a CD box or whatever you want a CD coil. Yeah. So I put an LS coil on the stupid thing I had one laying around, and then uh, I noticed that like 5800 it would go over voltage and lose sync. So I put like a 10k on it, and then yeah, I enabled like I did dumb stuff with it, like I did a clutch in to do a two step, so you could do wide open shifting also and launch it, and yeah, you could do. I mean, just a 300 dollar micro for that stuff is it's incredible. A science
1: project. That's what I always tell people. I'm like, if, if you like if, to if mess you want around, to make something run. That wasn't supposed to run on that thing. It's great, but if you're trying to make big power, I struggled for two years with my Charette with the the the, the MS3 that I had on it, and then I never figured out what it was, and I just switched to a holly and picked up ten miles an hour and such. <laughs> never again. Right? Yeah, and
0: then I uh, it's it's just drop in, and then the closed loop fuel getting the car to run. And getting decent fueling is 90% of DIY people's issues, in my opinion. So a car with that, like, you can do the... We call it Game Boy tune. I don't know if you heard me say that, where you're like, beep-boop-beep-boop, and the car runs. Like, I've had people... I've had people Game Boy a car. I've probably said this 30 times if people actually listen to all of this. I've had people Game Boy a car and drive it to the dyno and say, man, it's never run this good. And they chose internal map sensor... And they have a three bar, and they chose and they loaded like a tune. They chose the injector anywhere near the size. It was fine, but they have a flex sensor and everything. So it's running on E. It has like everything wrong. It has no map signal.
1: And they're like, yeah. it drove great. Yeah. And then the learn table is just the one cell at 90 kPa or 100 kPa back and forth. They're like, I had a guy drive to the dyno three hours away to my dyno and. In the, the car. Uh, and he terminated. And yeah. it was just the one, he had the wrong map sensor, and it was just the one. Same thing. 90 kPa, because that's what our elevation is. Yeah. And it was just back and forth. And he's like, yeah, it drives pretty good. I'm like, it's not even map centering him. i <laughs> probably five
0: times. And then I've had yeah. other people, uh, I've never even had them on the dyno. They built a similar combo, put in like SCP 1500s, loaded my base tune with the same pinouts for flex and everything. And it's actually a friend of the guy that, ran, that bought 8s for 8 had, has a 4th gen with a trans brake, a TH400, and everything in it. And they did an integrated Terminator install. They took my bass tune, loaded it with the handheld, made a hit or two with it. He asked me if I would look it over because they were going to race out a track the next day. I looked it over. Fuel trims were pretty close. I touched up two or three things. I said, okay, make another hit or two. Well, then he sends me a time slip like 12 hours later of it going like a 940. I'm like, but, um, you know, it's kind of one of those things, the Holly take the wheel thing. Like, you can't do that with those other systems. No. no. And the software is nowhere near as friendly. And it's just so many of the things. Like, can you data log? Does it come with a handheld? Does it come with a touchscreen? Does it come with a, basically, a dash all in one? And a wideband? And a drop-in harness? And the ECU? And... Like, if you're clueless, uh, someone can talk to you over the phone and tell you how to make a log, how to send the files, and then if you can put the card back in and load the updated files, you go, boop, boop, you don't even have to have anything. Like, uh, the only way they can make it better is if they put a GSM card in the damn handheld, and people could, like, phone dial you, like, uh, hotspot you, and do it all for you live while you're driving. (laughs) Built-in TeamViewer, yeah, like, there's no, it can't even be any easier
1: yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing, like, out of all the things that, like, have like no, no other platform can touch it based off of features and price-wise, like, it's just, yeah, the I get stuff. guys with NA cars, they come after two months of driving the car around, they're like, oh, I just want to kind of see what it does, and see if you can touch it up, and sometimes they got settings wrong, and that's all you really end up doing, is you, you change a few settings so it idles and doesn't stall, and yeah, stuff IAC, that they probably making, wouldn't like, even notice. or got used to because they drove a carb before. Yeah, no, and, they're
0: all happy because it's not a carb and it's not an yeah. HP tuner's car that's so far off it won't start.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's great. Like I I love it. Like it's just the user friendliness of it and the ability to do. And I think a lot of it now too that especially like Holly's been around for a while, but the Terminators is the community because if you're looking to do something, somebody else has already done. It. Yeah. Right. Where sometimes, like I've I use uh, like other platforms, and the community isn't there, and you're trying to get an answer of how to do, say, like time based boost control or something like that. People and don't no, know. People think they don't know because they've never done it, right? Yeah. And you can't get a response back from like the manufacturer and stuff, and you're just sitting there pressing buttons till you figure out how you get it to work because. Nobody's there's nobody to help you where it's like you ask on the Holly page, you ask on sloppy, you ask somewhere who's did LSX or whoever and somebody will answer it for you because they've done
0: it. LOL GSM card would be amazing. Yeah, the, maybe they should do that next, but I mean the system is so good if you don't lie to it, it's it's really good. The uh the other thing too is if you go on an event, uh eighty percent of the people have Holly or more. So, if you need help or a part or someone to help you do one thing or anything, like all the drag week cars have it. And there's, I mean, there's a reason for all that
1: too. A big thing too was like when they first came out with like the HB, was like one of the first ones. And they didn't have a lot of stuff figured out in the beginning because like they didn't even figure out the LS coil thing when they first came out with the LS kits. You had to use those waste spark coils off like the 3800. Buicks and shit. Hmm. I, didn't, and then, I didn't. I wasn't ever on board that early. Yeah, like I have. I know people who were like on board from pretty much the beginning, and because I came from like the Holly Commander days when I had it on the two oh, threes. I've, I was I've heard about before, that. I was even before that, so they didn't really have it figured out that way. And then the other thing was is everything was proprietary, right? Like you couldn't use some random fuel pressure sensor or some random. You had to kind of buy everything from Holly for everything to work. Yeah, they single scaling. Drop- yeah, they didn't have drop-downs for everything like they do now. So they've kind of realized they're making the money off the ECU. We can give out a little bit more information. Like it used to be you had to have poly-injectors and poly-coils and poly-this and poly-that. And that's when it was like, it's, it's still not the cheapest, but it's the most user-friendly now that you could still figure things out and use oil pressure sensors from low-dollar or whoever, right? But...
0: Cool. Oh, man. Chris Ortiz says, I'm coming up on four hours to find my luggage. Shit. Oh. Ah, we got someone donating money here. Is it normal for a drive-by-wire 5.3 sloppy stage 2 to smell like raw fuel, even at idle if the wideband, band Yeah, I mean, uh, injector phasing would probably fix a lot of that. If it's a pump-gas car and it has no cats, it's just going to stink.
1: It's I just think that's gonna... the hardest thing people have to understand that like if you don't have a cat it's going to smell just, terrible there is still fuel in the exhaust that's what your o2 is measuring right like you're still going to have that smell and the less efficient your engine is the worse it's going to smell like
0: it's tough to phase with hp tuners though Polly yeah. has a stupid calculator in it to do it it's so easy just more Polly, banter, how easy they make oh, everything.
1: Alan. good back his own.
0: Who's that? Alan. Oh, yeah. He just did. I just see that now. I wonder if they have any new episodes. I didn't get to look today. I was rushing around all day, and then Ortiz, like, once an hour is like, they canceled my other flight. They canceled this flight. My luggage is in Philadelphia. Like, I'm like, oh, man. And he's off
1: for a week anyway, so he's...
0: And then we went and got ice cream with my little guy. And then since we're not doing, sadly, like, uh, we were going to do stuff with Chris tomorrow. So uh, I have people that wanted to get on the dino, but I only did one morning thing. But now that that's, I was, like, texting a bunch of people, like, do you still want to get on? Because
1: my son I'm like that, too. I have a bunch of people pretty much on call. I usually get. They're waiting.
0: Time. I have people waiting. Yeah, a bunch of yeah. my friends. Like, I'll I'll schedule one or two randos if i even have time anymore and then a bunch of my friends are like i changed everything or it's dog shit and then they want to come back and see if it's not dog shit yeah yeah oh what external fuel pump do you guys i don't really like externals but a 4303 is my favorite
1: yeah for like something that's drive like you're gonna drive a lot of forty-seven hundred three or 4303 i just bought a 4703 for the chevette but is that a bigger one That's the bigger one without the cooling. Like, it's just like almost like a mechanical pump with a motor on it. Oh, it's, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't run through the body. No, so it's not cooled. So you're only supposed to run it like half an hour at a time. So that's, I just kind of got tired of the multiple pump thing. So that's what I bought. It's it's worth, it's good for a little bit more than a 4303.
0: I've done a bunch of cars with a 4303 that make like 1050, 1100 through an auto on ethanol. If people yeah. are trying to keep count
1: on my dyno, they run out at about 900 ish. Hmm. Like, my dino's pretty stingy, but but I kind of like the couple cars that I've had around that kind of ran out of everything all at the same time. They ran oh. out of turbo, they ran out of injector, and they ran out of fuel pump all at the same time. So, we kind of just kind of just did that, gave up all at the same time.
0: Turbo. Oh, nice. Al just said, uh, "Fairlane upgrades coming this week. Nine-inch T 350 drive by wire, uh, Elite 2500, no Hollies. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys are all in Australia. I'm sure it'd be different for us if we were there too.
1: Yeah, i like, I have an Elite 1500 on on my all-wheel drive Civic, and I need a phone, a friend sometimes because I've been trying to get the time-based bo- uh, time-based boosts uh, or timing control off of my two-step working and I haven't been able to get it to work. I wanted to lock 10 degrees out of it. I haven't been able. I'm going to have to send something into Holly in the new year once I get it running again because I really would like that to... I think that was the main reason I bought it over having the platinum that I had in the car.
0: This guy says, Imagine TSA, Google, and Chris Ortiz. There are so many people named Chris Ortiz that I doubt they would ever tie sloppy mechanics to Chris Ortiz. I remember one time he was being a jerk to somebody, and they're like, "I'm gonna look you up, or you know, like dox you <laughs> or something." He's like, "Good luck finding a brown guy with the name Chris Ortiz on the internet." It's like, fi- it's like, yeah, I was just literally, just gonna say, just look up John Smith, a white guy mm-hmm. named John Smith. Let me know how you do. 70 million results found. Yeah. 480,000 results on criminal records for John Smith in your town. <laughs> so are external self-priming or do they all have to be gravity-fed? A little bit of both. Some of those really powerful pumps can do suction very well, but if you're using them for suction, they don't have as good a feed. And the easier you feed those... A lot of those, like MagnaFuel says, like... Give the thing an inch and a half feed because it'll, yeah. it'll pump better too.
1: Yeah, it just needs all, once it's primed, it just needs everything it can get, right? So,
0: Challenger RT stock quarter mile starting to smell like puke after a run. <laughs> Probably the cats just, I love that when someone oh, floors yeah. it up a hill in front of me in a stock car and I'm like, oh, yeah. woo, cat
1: catalytic converters. Aren't Those new Those new ones are all wideband in those new Dodges anyways, so I don't know. A lot of the new cars, yeah. Yeah.
0: Pretty cool. And my Subaru friend makes fun of me. He's like, we've had wideband since like, oh, one. I'm like, yeah, heck, he's yeah, problems Honda's since 88. Yeah, I noticed that too, where people are like, buy the the Honda Pilot is a cheaper point." Yeah, like I have a,
1: on my Dyno, I have a Ballinger AFR 500 yep. wideband, and that's the same one I use the O2 is the sensor is the same one I use on to trick the Holley on my car, and it's like ninety nine bucks. It's like a two thousand and five Honda Odyssey, and it works great. Like especially when you know you're gonna probably kill them if somebody chucks a rod or something like that. Versus a lab grade NTK or something, yeah. that's 300 three or four hundred dollars. Like they're not that much of a difference.
0: Yeah, similar. I forget what I was gonna say. Something I had to add to that, but I can't remember. Uh, this guy says Dario has private parking at his junkyard.
1: <laughs> well, the Ginger Brief Express is my buddy Tony with the broken Turbo Four Hundred in the C Five, so he's been dying for attention. So he says highest horsepower ever on Dario Dino, which was his, which was like twelve hundred something. Huh. He he knocked the strap off of a uh, off of a BR7 on a turbo car. So <laughs> wow, never done that. Good job. Yeah.
0: What do I think about the new Z06 motor? I think it's cool as hell. It's a shame you can't tune those cars. Maybe one day. Yeah. I follow
1: I... Uh, what's his name from Fuel Tech. Anderson. Anderson. Yeah. I want to the have him seems on. like
0: a really smart guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's definitely sharp. And uh, yeah. I mean, I know what they're doing is they're just using, like, a very high-grade math translator, right? They're just yeah. taking stuff and then translating it. And, uh, yeah, it's amazing what they're doing. They're definitely the best right now because they're transmit- you Did you watch the video where he runs an 890? I haven't watched it yet. It's doing this thing in high gear. It's like rear, rear, <laughs> rear. And I'm like, man, what is that? What? Is-? My brain wants to know what that sound is. It does, it does really good. It actually wheelies in first. It launches great. And it hits the shift so hard. He's like flying in his seat. But then that last shift and that last gear hold, it is struggling. Something is struggling for sure. <laughs> and
1: I want to yeah. be like, what is that? Yeah, oh. I kind of I kind of figured they were piggybacking it or something off of... They probably just have the coils and whatever, the injectors. S- something, on, but, yeah. yeah,
0: something. Oh, people keep... Yeah, I have reached out to Brent and Anderson at uh, FuelTech and Nelson from Nelson Race Engines. Uh... I've reached out to uh, a bunch of people like that, like Cletus. He was actually able to make it the one day. Broke his trans. Was like an hour too late to the show, and then he was so beat from like dealing with that all day. I felt bad that, but he like wanted to commit, so I, I admire him for that. But he was like, we were like an hour in, and he's like, "I'm gonna go have some cookies." I'm like, "Get out of here, <laughs> dude! Go to bed." Yeah, I
1: watched. I I caught that one. He's a cool guy. I've met him, and I've met Brenton and jamie from pfi they always go to ls fest because they go to some off-road race right after somewhere in vegas oh, nice so he's always down there visiting at the time garrett before before they did their florida thing right but bren said like he would cool
0: he said he would i asked him like on facebook and on his youtube channel and a bunch of other stuff but i haven't been able to get a hold of him after that i don't even know how i would
1: I tried, Yeah, I think he's all over the place now. They're trying to live in Florida and stuff. Of course, yeah. I don't blame them. Yeah, no kidding. Everybody. It's like the YouTube hotspot mecca of racing.
0: Why the hell not? Everybody moved to
1: Bradenton. Well, where else are you going to get content? Like, if you're a dedicated YouTuber, where else are you going to get content? And then, you
0: know, all the other states and stuff are just trash canning people on... uh, like uh restrictions and then yeah. car stuff and everything they're just getting shit on in all directions yeah and uh oh yeah well anyway yeah those guys are just hard to nail down uh obviously respectably and then even kyle from 1320 was like he's like maybe in six months when my schedule isn't so booked i'm like holy shit <laughs> yeah
1: you got to hit him up on like two days after like Christmas or something. And they probably was yeah.
0: And day. then I'm like, I don't want to, I don't, I'm not really crawling up their asses. So I felt no. bad. I was, no, uh, Tom Nelson always emails me back when I email him funny stuff or I talk to him on Instagram. And then uh, for a while there, he wouldn't get back to me. And then he made that post about losing his brother. And I'm like, what a jerk I am. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't ever want to ask him for a radio show ever again. <laughs> I feel like, you know, Oh, what's a good IAT to pull on pump? I mean, I guess it. I would say it depends on the delta, but yeah, around 200 you want to start pulling, but that's not even a good estimate in my opinion because Cameron's car would slow down significantly when we started yanking at 175, and we yeah. eventually zeroed that bitch, and it went faster and faster with like 240 degree inlet temps. So, well, and
1: also it's your AFRs too, right? Like if you're using the fuel, if you're running the thing, tens you're going to use the fuel to help cool the charge yeah it's
0: it's all of the above you might even want to do an air fuel offset that if it starts to get hot to just change the commanded air fuel
1: yeah yeah and i bet you it would help i run my shit pretty fast like probably like high tens low 11s on my car because my iot suck too but i've never really i haven't got enough hits on the car to say that it's beneficial to pull timing or not i got it I got a safety net over 180 degrees, I think. But other than that, I just let it eat.
0: What we did on his also a few times was we're spraying dry to keep the actual inlet down. And then we were so far into the turbine that spraying dry would slow it down. Yeah. Lowering boost went faster with spray. And then, you know, vice versa, right at that limit.
2: Yeah.
0: And inlet temps didn't seem to matter at all. We changed everything but inlet temps at that point and actually we did a pre we did a post like right after the turbo so turbo outlet temperature and that is obnoxiously high so the intercooler is working fantastic the delta is really good because yeah. on the few passes at the eighth mile it was pegging the sensor at like 300 degrees
1: 302 yeah i think people don't understand actually how hot the air is that comes out of the turbo until
0: they melt good. one of those couplers it turns into bubble gum
1: yeah like people like we we dabble my my friend tomo is really good with the math side of tuning and he figured like back in the day when like the drag radial stuff was getting big when guys were running 70 pounds of boost on a big block with twin eighty eights, like the outlet temp was 700 degrees right okay? like like because like, it's all math right like some guys are better at the math part of it my friend toma is just amazing at it. they have an egt probe like... for an iet sensor yeah and that's like that's what they were doing right before any of this fancy stuff but what are you gonna do with that right like you're just using the methanol to cool everything anyway so you're just fire hosing it in there
0: fmu Uh, anything else here, boys? Melting the aluminum intake tube for my ATs. Well, that, they probably had significant intake structure on those cars.
1: Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah, but it's funny, like, the more data I look at now, the funnier some situations are. And there's that whole, the more you know, the more you know, you don't know happening every
1: time. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I like, it's just, I try to learn everything I can, but man, like the, some of the stuff, some of these guys that have been doing it, like my, my buddy Toma bought a dino in 1999, like he's been doing it forever. So he just, and he had to learn it all himself because the internet was even pretty, pretty virgin at the time. So he really didn't, he really didn't have a choice he just figured it out right so i told i messaged him one day and i told him i was out of an injector and he's like there's no way you can be out of injector he, he's like he's like what boost are you running he asked me a couple questions he's like you should be at 6.3 milliseconds at seven thousand rpm and i look it up on my data log and i'm like 6.25 hmm. milliseconds on my data log and I'm like, yeah, I'm out of injector. He's like, you have 210s, though. I'm like, no, I have 140s. He's like, oh, that's. He's like, yeah, you're totally out of injector.
0: <laughs> yeah, anymore I run into that, too, where people are like, they're like running out of 1000s and they're like, I need to get 1500s or 210s. And I'm like, uh, how much power are you making? And they're like, you know, it's like way under the injector limit. I'm like, yeah, that's not. That's not your injector. An injector isn't going to fix it. It's probably going to exacerbate it because it's yeah. spraying too much earlier and draining your rails or supply, which is obviously the issue. Oh, that's a good one. How high have you revved your Honda? Because it was, I think you bought pistons uh, and rods now, but when it was totally um, stock, on purpose or? Oh yeah, I know you um, money shifted it so, once, right? Yeah,
1: I money shifted it this year. I went one two one on the dog box, and it went. The data log read fourteen thousand.
0: So that's technically the highest you've revved it, but it (laughs) didn't survive.
1: But, yeah, I had the limiter at 98, and I hit it a bunch of times. So it's been been 98 consistently, but it makes power up there. Like, it made peak power at 9,400. Insane. And I think with, like, a little bit of a cam, I'm going to go a little bit bigger on the cam and a little more efficient of an intercooler, it'll probably make power right to 10. So is it cammed? Is
0: it stock cams? No, it's aftermarket. Okay, cams. I was gonna say, man, that's high for stock.
1: would do like nine thousand. Cool, that's disgusting.
0: Yeah, makes me want to do a sixty-two, sixty-two on Jamie's car immediately, and like <laughs> never be able to use it though. Yeah, not for what that is. It doesn't it doesn't need that for for her to putz around in the, the non-intercooled four hundred wheel would probably be incredible. I mean, I said to her like, we can intercool it later. Uh you know, when we actually want to throw a clutch and some boost and everything else at it, but pr- yeah, probably I mean the front end's so small, I'm like, I don't think any of it's gonna be really worth it, especially for it's gonna have the eighty five and be under ten pounds most of the time, no way, yeah, oh yeah be... what's this guy someone uh Josh donated money, He says I pulled an s four seventy five off my four eight and replaced it with an eighty eight one oh three but only made three pounds on the trans break. I'd like eight or so. What could I do? Well, your converter and a bunch of things, very a hundred shot dry would definitely help you out, but it depends on your RPM and tune up and everything else.
1: Yeah. If you can get to three pounds, you're, you just, I think you really just need a a few more tweaks. Like uh, we run like pretty ridiculous timing on the trans break. And I've found with like a lot, like I have twin S369s on a 5.3. So I've learned a lot about schooling and stuff. So it's not uncommon. Guys get scared. But like at one or two pounds of boost, you can run 28 to 30 degrees of timing on the transplant. Yeah, it's basically motor
0: boost. Yeah. Yeah. People get get, scared once it hits one PSI. Yeah. Like you don't have to pull time until seven pounds of boost,
1: right? Like especially if you're on like E85 or something. He Uh, is. He's on E. Yeah, so like you could run, you're not gonna hurt it. If you run too much, it's just not gonna work as fast. Devin Vanderhoof has a really good video on setting up. If you look on his YouTube, he has a really good video on how to set it up. Doing that, yeah, after like you do a log, advanced you boost see builder. how fast it gets to target. Yeah, not even to target, just to like three pounds of boost, and then you know if you're on the the right track of if it wants more timing or less. You put 28 pound degrees in it. If it takes. 0.5 of a second to get up to the target or not even target to like one pound to boost. And then you put 30 in it and it takes 0.3 of a second. You know, you're on the right track. right? So yeah. Of he course. Has a really good video. on that,
0: And I would say that similarly, you're not going to hurt it. Cause that's just like uh, pushing for diminishing gains on a dyno. Yeah. It's not going to gain. If you're, if it's not liking it, it's not going to like it.
1: No. That's for sure. Like, and like, yeah, it doesn't mean because 30 works, 35 is going to work better, right? Like it's, there is a point where it's not going to work, but usually if you go keep it at like whatever you're comfortable with, 12.5, 13.0 air fuel and run it at like 30 degrees, because it's just a really efficient, up to a few pounds of boost it's up it's just a really efficient and aim over right so mm-hmm. you can run it right up and just drive drive that converter as hard as you can to get it up on the boost
0: i'd say also like i'm assuming he's foot braking it and then also how good are your brakes uh, yeah. a lot of people skip a lot of those steps but sometimes they have trash brakes and they just push or they have skinnies on for no reason and they push the skinnies yeah all of the above and then uh if you really want to do something interesting if it's an ADE, it is an ADE on a Terminator. Do the sloppy trans break and force oh, for it into sure. third, yeah. that'll get it way up. Mechanical advantage is going to go into the shitter, and you can foot break it way up. Yeah, and then uh, oh, this guy says, What's your opinion on the Jags? Some part number XHD, they're both amazing.
1: That that's I think the the six hundred four two nine is the the normal low stall one. That, that's
0: what he's saying. Yeah, for high yeah, horsepower, we, we that's ready. the best.
1: Like that was, that one that converter is made by Transmission Specialties. We bought it years ago, and then Transmission Specialties. I guess they just really didn't want to deal with the public as much anymore for that kind of stuff. So they ended up. I think sublighting them out to JEGS or something. So now it's just a JEGS converter. We went 840 at 160 at a, in a 3,200-pound box body with a, a box stock S480, right? They worked really wicked. Uh, we, we've we used them on a couple other cars. Some cars work better than others, but, like, you can't beat it for the price. You get it on sale for, like, $329. Yes, it yep. holds 800 horsepower. In there. At the
0: same time, I saw there was a sale. Someone on Sloppy Private posted that there was a coupon code, and I I immediately called and yelled at Mitch and Brett to buy them. So they both got the converter for 327 shipped, and then they're both running eights. Yeah, in 3,000 pound cars, 3,200 pound cars, you absolutely can't beat it. I love when someone shows up and they're like. Jagzix HD TH four hundred Terminator whatever whatever and I load a tune and I hit it and it makes six fifty on the first hit and it has like ten yeah. percent fuel trim and I'm like,
2: oh,
0: you know, this is what it's all about, guys. You want to make your life easy?
1: <laughs> yeah, and like like once you wear that thing out, like we we had a decent amount of converter slip at like hundred sixty miles an hour, but after the, but but after that, like you're into the territory where you should be buying probably a little bit better of a converter but yeah. if you can get to automates on a on a 300 converter it's disgusting you're doing what
0: awesome. you can do with that 300 bucks yeah yeah there's yeah. nothing better oh it's 500 now it's probably cuz of materials everything's been flying up like the last month or two it's getting pretty disgusting the amount of people tell me every now and then they're like i'll say what something cost 5 months ago and someone's like, oh, it's a million dollars now. I'm like, son of a bitch. Like, if you, can't, yeah. if you can't get it, you're paying for it. That's just a thing. There's nothing you can do about it right now. Oh, he says he has a trans break on the 4L80. I I mean, honestly, if you're making three pounds on a 4.8, and I mean, what kind of RPM is that? Maybe he can fill us in. If you're making three pounds on a 4.8 with that turbo at a lower RPM, it's pretty incredible. And then also, very easily, you could spray it. Like the nitrous settings in a Terminator, there's, there's a shutoff thing you can check that says turn off and you can enter a boost amount. So you could tell it to shut off at like 10 pounds and clear the hump if you want to leave on like 14, but.
1: You yeah, can... like I have no problem using nitrous, using nitrous to... Uh to school stuff like it it's it, it's like the easy way out but who cares right it's easier on parts better than sitting on the trans break
0: yeah boiling it down absolutely yeah. or a trying dump get
1: it to trying to get it to school right
0: so. yeah like if it's that terrible oh he says he has squirrel tune map hit up jake uh hit up jack roberts there and give him 50 bucks to help you out or something and then, yeah, give it a little whiff of dry. It's the easiest thing you can do is dry spray it up.
1: Yeah, I really want to try that on a on a holly because, like, a small dry shot where you wouldn't even have to mess with the tune, Yep, you just let, let the holly do its thing would be amazing.
0: I've done a bunch of dry stuff with the uh, holly stuff. Even as far back as my Colorado, I did the two stages on a wet plate. Two dry stages, yeah. I've done a, a lot of the dry nitrous stuff because you can't puddle dry so nice i'd like to do one where i have like a like a 400 or a 500 plate and then have progressive solid yeah that's,
1: they're talking about the 4a converters or the 4080 converters yeah it looks like summit selling one now that i think it's a circle d like a 32 to 3600 still based off of probably like circle D's like, budget converter but. Probably get one cheaper from Ryan Jans anyways for something like that. It'll be a lot closer to the combo.
0: Yep, Jans. Always go for Jans. don't have to
1: pity a summit smart cup on it. He has a
0: 3,500. Oh, will it actually sit at 3,500?
1: I mean, that's not terrible. It says it's going to 3,500 on the converter, but yeah. probably on a 4.8. 8 it needs more than that.
0: Yeah, it's just not pumping it air-wise at that point.
1: What are
0: Oh man, I'm getting—I'm actually getting tired, and I have a headache. I don't know how long you guys want to go. We're at three hours, though. Wow, surprise! Surprise guest. Dario, is the Malibu still alive? Well, you said the guy ejected it, but maybe rebuilt it. Last you heard. You okay over there? You break his headset? Did you break your headset? Uh oh. What? <laughs> what was that? What was that? Let me t- let me see if he's online still. <laughs> he just outsted. <laughs> well that's it guys, thanks. <laughs> I just sent him a message to see what he what he says. Oh, oh he lost connection? Oh, interesting. Maybe his computer locked up or something, because he, we had him till he hung up. Yeah, he couldn't, his microphone wasn't working, so he's probably grabbing another. I think that's what he means, the connection for the mic wasn't working, because he had the interwebs. Oh, I was probably too busy talking. Yeah, or if. Ta-da. Welcome back. You there? <coughs> Hello. Is it working? I hear you.
1: You can hear me? Yep. I can't hear anything, but I'll figure that out. it's working i hear you i can't hear
0: you hmm. uh boost in richmond sometimes does not work in my opinion maybe someone else can
1: oh chime in i got it
0: uh he's back I don't know what happened there.
1: I plugged in my phone to charge it next to it because I was watching the feed, oh. and then it just died. Stupid app. I uh, probably, like,
0: switched all your audio in and out. Yeah, I probably thought I was talking
1: on the phone, but I got it handled now. There we
0: go. Someone asked, Does, uh, you know, do you do a lot of HP Tuner
1: stuff? Oh, yeah, I think yeah. you do. Cause Yeah, the, I do.
0: The Super Cheapskate's car was on HP Tuner's
1: yeah that's what originally i like i cut my teeth on was the h p tuners on that car I kind of just dump jumped in head first right into three bar speed density <laughs> and learned from there kind of thing. the so,
0: m x mang here says uh Matt, does h p t boost enrichment work pretty reliably I can't get it to kick in and I said sometimes it's a it's slow or doesn't work that great
1: yeah I pretty much just rely on the p d part of it to- yeah. And to make sure that's all good, and then just make sure your the cable is where it needs to be. Don't rely on the boost enrichment cable.
0: Yeah, he's funny. He's like PE one point three. It is. Yeah. Sometimes, I've had some that are pretty decent, uh, and then some. Sometimes they work better at higher pressure, like when it's too close. But uh, so I'll have some cars that I lean on it a little, like a one, like a one eighteen down low, and then over. 10, 14 pounds, but you have to you have to hit it, like, seven times and make sure it transitions well yeah. when it comes up there. And if it doesn't, you just quit. All those operating systems are totally different. That's a pain-in-the-ass stock computer thing.
1: Yeah, well, like, I do a lot of boosted, like, E38 and E67 stuff. That's, like, swap cars, and it is brutal. Yeah, it E38. Is, it is just so brutal. Like, it's just... It's not... Like, those, those ECUs, like, in the, the, the two-bar speed density tune on E38s, they don't react properly to, like, injector data. They don't, like, they're just brutal. Like, and like people complain about all kinds of stuff that, that they don't do what they were, like the throttle shutting and freaking out because the TAC module inside the computer doesn't, like, boost because it's pushing the throttle blade close as soon as you lift and it goes into limp mode and it's just like, man. Put a on this thing right?
0: <laughs> <clears throat> especially with the integration yeah like it's just uh I you try to tell people that stuff and they're so afraid to spend a thousand dollars to alleviate all their headaches and have a safety net and have upgradeability. and you know it's it's a it's I always laugh because people will Cameron talks about this too people will spend ten thousand dollars on a short block blink of an eye from a guy they don't know and it's probably gonna have oil pressure issues. But they won't spend more than a thousand dollars on a tranny and they won't spend a thousand dollars on a Holly Terminator. Yeah. And even then the price point for like almost a nearly loaded dominator setup's like three grand. Yeah. And that's you could have a stock bottom end car with a three thousand dollar ECU work obviously way better than you know, trying to make an E forty and an E thirty eight do anything you want to do on a given day.
1: Yeah, and do it consistently.
0: Yes, Holly won't work with a 6L80E. You're right, but you could integrate a car and keep the stock sensors on and it still would But then you need both But some E38s aren't as bad. You know what I learned? I uh, I Used to do the speed density conversion. I stopped now and I just fail the meter and rescale the You can go into virtual VE and other stuff and rescale the entire So you do speed density, but not speed density. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, that's how my do du- that's how my dually was. So, my dually because they have the, the speed density tables all the way up to like 250 or 280 kPa. Yeah, I just failed the math and then just relied on those tables yep. and put a three bar map in it. And I tuned it that way because that operating system with HP tuners on an E38 didn't have. Uh, two bar available it didn't have any speed density available so that's just how i did it it worked fine because i tried doing it math first because everybody said that's the way to do it so you know the map sensor and then just do it math but i maxed that out at like 10 pounds of boost and and i was just riding the last lines of the cell well
0: i tried to talk about this before too uh this guy says he's doing an integrated e38 just to keep the tack working and I oh. keep I keep bringing up my buddy Michael Page here. I hate throwing him under the bus, but he is so good with the Holly versus CAN bus conversion stuff for the BMWs. I'm like, you already know all those PIDs. I said, honestly, if you took the Holly CAN bus data and spit it out as E38 data that just put out, like, the stuff the 6L80E needs on the CAN stream,
1: yeah. it would GPS, work. Yeah,
0: RPM, Because it has its own ECU, so if you power it, ground it, and give it can high and low, uh, I'm like, I would bet it takes less than 10 PIDs for the 6L8E to shift right. Oh, for sure. So I'm like, and then people were trying to figure out, like, the torque amount, so I was saying to him we should make a custom table that outputs, like, 600 foot-pounds, so then if your car doesn't make 600, or you can scale, and then we were going to use fuel flow versus whatever to... Because you could lock it out and say the fuel flow number is the foot-pounds level to shift the car. Yeah. But I'm like, you could also make it a scalable output for people not making as much power. And then uh, I just, I nag him about it like once a week. I'm like, just do it. You'll be a millionaire. Because yeah. then you could put a 6L in any Holly car. I'm like, just make the converter. Just make it and sell it for like 600 bucks. It'll probably cost him like a week in research, and a hundred dollars a box, and he can sell them for five hundred dollars profit. Or if if he makes that, he could hand it to Holly, and he could they could buy him out. For sure, because I mean, he did it before them. Someone just needs to do it. Damn it, I'm getting tired of it. (laughs) Oh man. Oh, I'm getting a nice wicked headache here. Are we are we good, everybody? I'm gonna quit early this time. I'm bitching out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but it's coming in. All right. Well, anybody else have any closing questions? I'd two dollars for Dario's birdcage as long as he signs it for me.
1: The one in the background.
0: People will talk about it every now and then.
1: This is my daughter's old room. They turned it into my office. I haven't redecorated yet.
0: I downloaded Cameron's tune from the cabinet just for startup. Yeah, you might have to copy the tables. You might be able to uh, open his tune in the compare thing and copy most over because he had a Dominator and this guy is an HP, but you should be able to copy over relevant
1: tables. Holly is usually pretty close. HP Tuner is... It's not as close when you're copying somebody else's tune. I've noticed, like, oh, if you yeah. take one, you take one tune from the same combo and you put it in the same ECU in a different car, and it's ten percent off. Like, it's crazy how how much the same thing can be can be uh, so different. But that's just HB and so yeah,
0: they'll let you. I've done it where I've loaded some stuff into the compare that was totally different, but it's all the same software, so. If you have the trans table available on both, you can copy it over because you can view yeah. it.
1: Yeah, I I try to explain that to people sometimes, but it doesn't usually work.
0: It doesn't have that cross-compatibility issues. Well, yeah. that, and
1: even if you're way off on a tune, the O2 is just going to take over and do its thing anyways, and and you're going to be fine. Just drive anything.
0: it to the dyno anyway. Yeah. All right, well, thanks for coming on.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: And Anytime. Thanks. Thanks everybody for joining in and see you next time. I'll try to announce earlier and hopefully no flights get canceled poor Chris is stuck in like limbo and some airport hell stuff now. I I feel bad. I don't want anybody to experience that. <laughs> All right, see you later. Thanks for coming on. Everybody bye. <laughs>